This is the Troll Patrol. Live. With Justin. Freaking. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. It's a freaking Sunday. And it is Labor Day weekend. ZipRecruiter is sending me like fucking emails saying these companies want to hire you. On Labor Day weekend of all days. God damn. We're going to be talking about some labor-related issues. We're going to check in with some of the strikes going on in the U.S. We're going to talk about the battle for Blair Mountain. Which we're right around, we're right around the centennial anniversary of. Unemployment benefits are getting ready to expire. Or have expired. I guess the last check went out yesterday, day before yeah. I don't know, I guess some state systems are different. Biden was threatened by 9-11 families. But they didn't want him to attend the 9-11 memorial. If he didn't declassify some documents. Dealing with the Saudis and their involvement in 9-11. Biden's going to do it. He's going to do it. So mad props to him on that. We're going to get the story here in a little bit. AOC is coming after Joe Manchin. After Joe Manchin said, no, no, no. Let's hit pause on the $3.5 million budget reconciliation bill. AOC had some harsh words for Mr. Manchin. Seriously. I, you know, I, I love attacking Biden, but, like, he, he keeps giving me reasons to appreciate him. I mean, like, it would be bad PR for him to not attend the 20th anniversary ceremony. I'm assuming there might be some caveats with it, though. We'll, we'll see, though. We'll see when we read the story. I haven't actually read the story yet. Uh, the Satanic Temple is coming forward to say that they will defend people who might be sued... Concerning abortion, claiming that it is a religious right, the problem with that is is that the Satanic Temple has never successfully argued that in court. And apparently they have some ties to the alt-right, which makes some people uncomfortable. So we're going to look into the Satanic Temple along with the latest developments in the Texas abortion, effective abortion ban... A rioter is back in jail. He was he was told not to get on the internet. The court came and checked on him, and he was in his garage watching the My Pillow Guy Cyber Symposium on his phone. He is back in jail for violating. <laughs> this is, that, it's not the shaman we're talking about. Jacob Chadley, the QAnon shaman was finally able they were finally able to get a a guilty plea out of him apparently he had been convinced that there was still a pardon from Donald Trump coming that he had friends telling him to continue fighting it because the pardon for Donald Trump was still coming and his lawyers had a hard time of convincing him that no 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 there is no pardon coming for you you need to take this deal But hey, as I've said a million times before, we're not dealing with the brightest. They're actually the dumbest fucks walking the planet. Socrates just went running by. I don't even know if you saw cat ass there for a second. Tone's adding yet another uh, Smokey command to the chat. (laughs) I I love that Smokey is so well-liked. 
on this chat. But it's still it's still hilarious to me because the people that come here in person love Socrates. My bandana is crooked, is and I never can't like because it's the opposite on the camera. I never can't tell which side. <laughs> it's Labor Day weekend. I don't know. Uh, last year I took Labor Day off from streaming. I like to I like to take Labor Day off one because I'm lazy. I do put some work into this show. But two, because, like, it's the spirit of Labor Day. Like, we should all sit around and jack off. And I usually watch a movie dealing with the labor movement. Last year, I watched Mate One. A couple of years ago, we watched Nine to Five. Sparkles and I did. I don't know. I don't know what I might watch this year. But I don't know if I'm going to stream or not. Um, maybe? I don't... I think I should take the day off for the spirit of Labor Day. I don't. I don't know. It'd be different if I just got on here and, you know bullshitted around but I actually like fucking put some work into this shit also I fucking opened the door before I started the show I'm probably going to regret that it's I mean it's like 78 here or something and it's kind of humid like I'm already starting to sweat I probably shouldn't have opened the door I couldn't get Smokey to come back in though and I didn't want to have to let him in during the show Once again, it is Labor Day weekend. I'll decide by the end of the show if I'm going to stream tomorrow or not. I don't fucking know. Scotland is the latest country to give a trial to a four-day work week. Spain, Japan, New Zealand, and Iceland have attempted trials as well. Scotland announced plans to trial a four-day work week. Making it the latest nation to join the trend as more others explore the possibility of a permanent switch. The Scottish National Party is making good on a campaign promise to try and reduce workers' hours in a bid to boost productivity and worker happiness. Spain, New Zealand, Japan, and Iceland have previously adopted a four-day work week. Experience that Scotland will draw on as it implements its own trial. I, do you got? Do you have something against the Scottish warlord? I don't. I know there's there's some friction over there in what they call the UK. Workers will see hours reduced by twenty percent without any impact to wages. Forbes reported. The SNP has pledged ten million. That's thirteen point eight million in U.S. dollars to fund the switch to an abbreviated work week. Some businesses already started their own shortened work week each with support from employees. Polling by the S&P showed that 80% of people would support support the change. Because of course they would. I've I've been advocating for knocking the work week down to fucking like 28 hours, 24 fucking hours. Anything that drives up scarcity in labor drives up the cost of labor, which means higher wages for people. And that should be what we are all concerned with, is higher wages for people. I don't get... I don't get right-wingers who constantly spout propaganda as if they are on the side of the corporations. Why are you not on the side of labor, you motherfucker? You guys remember the nanny? Brand Drescher is now the head of the SAG-AFTRA union. 
Oh, shit. Oh, yes, I do have uh, Daniel Bryan and CM Punk as my background right now. I'm missing wrestling to bring you guys this show. I'm going to watch it right after we get off. Yes, 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 yes. Once again, breaking out shirts that are way too small for me. This thing is really tight. And like, see, I bought this at a Raw show. 2012, 2013? Less than a decade later, it barely fits me. Fran Drescher claimed victory in her race for president of SAG-AFTRA on Thursday night and vowed to lock arms with her fellow union members and rise up out of the melee. Drescher takes charge of a union that is famously fictitious and more divided than it has been in recent years. Even as the star of The Nanny defeated Matthew Modine by a narrow margin, Modine's dissent faction, dissident faction, membership first, gained seats on the national board, took overwhelming control of the Los Angeles local, and won the election for National Secretary-Treasurer, the third-ranking post in the union. Treasurer's party, Unite for Strength, will still command a majority on the national board, observers say, and as President Dresser will decide who serves on which committee, including the committee that will negotiate the union's next TV theatrical contract in 2023. Now, for those of you who may not think this is a important position, Ronald Reagan was president of SAG-AFTRA. Might have just been SAG back then. Ronald Reagan was president of the Screen Actors Guild. That is how he came to uh, political prominence in this country. He was already doing propaganda for the right, though. Agreement paves the way for Peabody Energy's Shoal Creek Mine to reopen. This is an update on the strike going on in Alabama. United Mine Workers of America on, I think this was Thursday, announced that it has reached a tentative agreement with Peabody Energy that could reopen the company's Shoal Creek Mine, the long wall mine located in Jefferson, Walker, and Tuscaloosa counties, produced 2.1 million tons of coal in 2019. It closed last October, citing declining demand for coal and loss of revenue. An announcement at the time said 350 union employees would be laid off. We expect that to be ratified. This agreement will allow the Shoal Creek Mine to be reopened very soon, UMWA International President Cecil E. Roberts said. We will take this tentative contract to the membership at Shoal Creek for their final say. The explanation to the membership and ratification vote will take place next week. The statement, Peabody Energy said it believes the tentative agreement is beneficial to all stakeholders and positions uh, the mine to be successful going forward. We look forward to the ratification vote and will provide information regarding future plans for mine operations as they become available. Now, that agreement does not affect the ongoing strike by the UMWA uh, against Warrior Met Coal, which has now entered its seventh month. Oh, I thought we got more of an update on it. Here, let me click on it. This is a story from about two weeks ago. The United Mine Workers of America is hailing a decision by the National Labor Relations Board against Warrior Met Coal. The NLRB notified Warrior Met on August 13th that it is prepared to issue a complaint if the company does not enter into a settlement and provide the union with information and ongoing contract negotiations. That was the latest update as of about two weeks ago. 
and that strike. Now, supermarkets across the country are preparing for a shortage of some snack foods because of the ongoing strike at Mondelez International. Mondelez owns popular snack brands like Ritz, Belveda, Chips Ahoy, Oreo, Halls, Trident, Triscuit, and other well-known brand names. I think it's pronounced Mondelez. I might be fucking up the name, but who cares? Fuck them. We're not asking for a lot. One worker at a plant in Richmond, Virginia said, we just want a fair contract. His name is Stephen James. He said he's worked as a machine operator at a plant in Richmond, Virginia for two decades, making Oreos, Chips Ahoy, and other household snack names. Virginia is just one of a short list of localities in the U.S. where workers at plants operated by snack giant Mondelez International have been on a weeks-long strike since early August. The multi-state pushback against the company by union workers began on August 10th at a bakery in Portland, Oregon, where unionized workers demanded they get their pensions back. By the end of August, reports had estimated that the number of workers striking swelled at one point to at least 1,000 Mondelez employees. Mike Burlingham, the vice president of the local 364 in Portland, told the New York Times, we won our pension back. We earned that. You goddamn right you did. Burlingham said, speaking of workers there, this is a good job where people plan for retirement. If the company could have their way, that would be gone and it wouldn't be a job worth fighting for at all. And, and like, make no mistake about it, that's one of the reasons why companies have lobbied so hard against Medicare for all, because they want to be able to hold insurance benefits over your head. They really do, they like, that's one of their, their major bargaining chips. One major issue, workers say they experience 12 to 16 hour work days with unfair pay. In a report from the New York Times late last month, Union workers said that after a previous contract with the company expired in May, they would put in grueling shifts during the pandemic to meet increased demand at times double that of a normal eight-hour paid workday. James, the machine operator at the plant in Richmond, said he was given a one-time hazard pay of $300 for working long hours during the months that the pandemic dragged on. $300 fucking dollars, that's all. Union leaders say that Nabisco would try and pay less overtime while asking plant employees to work extra hours in order to squeeze more out of them. I think I mentioned it the other day. Never forget that the number one, the number one type of theft in this country is wage theft. Companies doing this shit. Wage theft accounts for far more of the theft in this country than any other type of theft. But we only criminalize, you know, me going in and stealing a fucking candy bar from a company. You got to take civil action against your employee. Oh, and then civil asset forfeiture. That's a whole nother can of worms. Don't get me started on that. I, I definitely, I definitely don't really want to get all worked up because I opened the door and it's still like 78 degrees outside and 
You want me to get real close to the mic? I'm bad about I'm bad about red pegging, man. I'm in the red right now. Hello, Adam. Welcome to the Troll Patrol. Live. That's when the dude called in the other day. I asked him if he wanted me to do the Howard Stern thing. Would you like to would you like to sit your balls on your speakers? And let me go. See if we can bring you to orgasm. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen, we do hard news on this show. I do a comedy show on Fridays. <laughs> oh, shit. The media organization More Perfect Union, who advocates for workers' rights and policy change, estimated that Mondelez workers could stand to lose up to $40,000 per year in future wages. More Perfect Union has accused the company of making employees work 12-hour days along with weekends work with no overtime. Fuck that shit. The biggest uprising since the Civil War happened in or happened at Blair Mountain 100 years ago. The Battle of Blair Mountain saw thousands of minor, uh, miners battling cops with machine guns and enduring aerial bombardment. Yet today, hardly anyone remembers a thing about it. Logan, West Virginia, heading east from here. County Road 17 snakes up and down craggy hills. Craggy hills? Craggy, craggy. Hills for several miles before crossing an unremarkable intersection. We're reading from the nation here. A deserted church sits on one corner. On the other, a small bronze plaque recounts the Battle of Blair Mountain, a labor dispute that saw almost 10,000 miners the people that dig the fucking coal, not the not the kids you can't fuck. As if there's kids that you can fuck. Don't fuck kids. Don't do that. That's bad. A labor dispute that saw almost 10,000 miners face off against a union-busting sheriff, several thousand deputized locals, and the U.S. military. It was the largest armed uprising in the country since the Civil War. This year marks the 100th anniversary, yet hardly a soul today remembers it. The origins of the battle can be traced to the Maitwan Massacre when gun thugs working for Baldwin Feltz, an infamous strike-breaking detective agency, got into a shootout with a group of miners and Sheriff Sid Hatfield after Baldwin Feltz agents murdered Hatfield in revenge the following year. On the steps of the county courthouse, his death became a martyrdom that roused miners to battle. Though life was already hard enough, dangerous conditions, low wages, and exploitive credit systems were par for the course. The situation only escalated in the summer of 1921 after hundreds of striking workers were arrested and held indefinitely. Hatfield's death was the final straw. By August, thousands of miners were marching towards Matewan, intent on freeing their comrades and bringing their guerrilla version of class warfare into action. 
Today, downtown Maitwan, population 499, stretches two blocks and features a barbecue joint, a halfway house, and two souvenir shops. On a recent Saturday morning, tucked inside a concrete building at the end of the street, 30 retired miners from local 1440 of the United Mine Workers of America were holding their monthly meeting. The engine snarls of ATVs, visitors to Hatfield-McCoy Trails, southern West Virginia's main tourism attraction, had yet to fill the air. Two pots of coffee brewed in the kitchen, still warm egg and cheese sandwiches were laid out. Love me a good egg and cheese sandwich. A single gavel called the meeting to attention, followed by a prayer for the miners on strike in Alabama. The hall is a place for these men to banter with old friends and vote on union issues. It is the closest thing to a community center Matewan has. One of the few signs of life in an area on long decline. My family's from Matewan. West Virginia has the sixth highest state poverty rate in the country and the highest for men. The mining industry, almost 94% male, has fallen from a peak of 177,000 jobs nationwide in 1985 to around 42,000 today. I think I brought up on a stream not that long ago, uh, Sears and Kmart employs more people than the mining industry. There's the hospital outside, Logan and Walmart for work said Terry Steele, one of the locals and more vocal members. Steele and a few others could recall running coal in the past 20 years. A handful said they had a child who had mined at one point. Proof enough that union jobs have disappeared and with it, the opportunity for social mobility that the UMWA had offered for over 100 years. State leaders in Charleston strike a different tune, praising coal while simultaneously gutting coal communities. Coal operators, for their part, continue to operate wherever they can squeeze the last bits of coal out of the ground. Or not even squeezing them out of the ground, just going and blowing the tops off of fucking mountains and pulling it out that way. It's called strip mining. And that, that's an issue. I'm, I'm from this area. It's an issue because every time I drive into my hometown, I see these stripped mine fucking mountains that supposedly have been reclaimed, but fucking nothing can grow on them except uh, like fucking evergreen trees. So you see like these, these mountains that have gravel all over them with like Christmas trees instead of actual forestry. And God, it, may, it makes me so sad. It is the miners who remain, with mainly small donor contributions, local 1440 funded, the completion of the West Virginia Mine Wars Museum next door, preserving a story of capitalism, oppression, and solidarity that was erased, erased from public record. When the bombs, bombs, they bombed U.S. citizens. The bombs started falling on the slopes of Blair Mountain on Labor Day, 1921. Many realized the gravity of their situation for almost a week. Miners, numbering in the thousands, had been battling machine gun nests. Commanded by uh, Don Chafin, sheriff of Logan County. They had already refused the pleas of President Harding who feared their struggle might inspire the nearly 2 million unemployed Americans across the country to launch a full-scale class revolution. Thousands of leaflets 
bearing Harding's message, calling on the miners to disperse, were dropped by plane and summarily ignored. By nightfall, after the rumble of the machine gun fire and the whirl of biplane engines had dissipated, the miners must have looked around from where they were perched in trees or stretched out and hastily dug trenches and seen the numbers missing from their ranks. Still, they fought on. They were, they were protesting being forced, forced into the mines. Their fight was the culmination of a decades-long struggle. After coal companies rejected every effort by the UMWA to win representation, armed struggle took hold. By the end of the week, somewhere between 50 and 100 miners, along them, uh, among them Appalachians, Italian immigrants, and African Americans, were dead. UMWA membership declined for years in the wake of the battle, but after the passage of the National Labor Relations Act in 1935, Union President John L. Lewis led the UMWA back to southern West Virginia as soldiers returning to Rome, unionizing every coal operation they encountered. The fight to unionize the West Virginia coal fields was over, or so it seemed. In the final room of the Mine Wars Museum, Kimberly McCoy, the museum's resident guide, was a great-niece of Sid Hatfield, opened up five different West Virginia history textbooks from the 1930s to the 1980s to the section where the Battle of Blair Mountain should, should have been. But they're all empty. In 1920, Governor Ephraim Morgan set up an... American Constitutional Association to select the textbooks used in West Virginia schools, which excluded any mention of the state's mine wars. Generations grew up cut off from their ancestors' struggles because business leaders were afraid history would repeat itself. Instead, me growing up in eastern Kentucky, I grew up with mine company propaganda. There was bumper stickers everywhere that said friends in low places and showed these these miners crawling with their with their mining hats on or coal keep the lights on because the thing and and like even my school we had what was called the Cedar Coal Fair where we each had to make projects that were nothing more than sheer propaganda we had to make a project each year about how wonderful the coal industry was I hate Biden. Biden is an idiot. Biden is a child rapist. I love Trump. Right-wingers are fucking morons. What absolute fucking idiots they are. And it's hilarious. They just come in and announce themselves and all their, their idiocy. Now, this weekend, we will see the expiration of federal unemployment benefits. And Nick, I know he had some concerns about the economy. What were they? Well, it was interesting. His concerns were really about the... Yeah, yeah, concerns about the economy because these business owners that lobbied for the unemployment benefits to be taken away are going to find out a very hard lesson when they realize that people don't have money to spend with them. 
especially given that they're having to take care of sick children all over the region as COVID numbers spike. These people, a lot of which don't have health care. The economy, but more about the house side of things. He he's concerned about what's going on with the Delta variant and it's impacting the economy. For example, in July, the U.S. added about a million jobs. In August, well, it was only eight. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I didn't include it tonight, but the jobs report fell well below expectations after having a couple months being far above expectations. And I love how the fucking right wing. When the jobs reports were far above expectation, they were like, no, no, that doesn't mean anything. That doesn't mean anything. This one for this month fell below expectations. And they're like, see, Biden's doing a horrible job. Fucking idiots. A quarter of that. The report shows what industries are doing well and, and what we're seeing. So let's go ahead and show you professional and business services. Well, that gained a lot of jobs in August. I think they were expecting to add about 700K and they added 200K. More jobs were added in August as well. But here's where things kind of got interesting. You know, there's been a lot of talk about mask mandate and where kids should go to school. Well, it appears private education, that actually added 40,000 jobs across the country. But when it comes to public education, those public schools, well, those actually lost about 30,000 jobs in August. I, I think this is... I don't know if they're smart enough to have planned this that this is part of their assault on education. But, like, the homeschooling crowd is running with this opportunity. The charter schools, people, the school choice, we're actually going to hear about it later in the show. I have a right-winger talking about how the, the pandemic made school choice so important now. You guys know it's just a way to fucking take taxpayer money and funnel it into private hands. That's what that... So job growth in private education while the shitheads are attacking boards of education and making teachers feel unsafe in the public schools seems to be like part of the plan. Other industries that were impacted, retail trade and even leisure and hospitality. Not high enough for this shit. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh told me that this future, the numbers, will all depend on what happens with the virus. We do have work to do, and, and, and you know, I'm certainly concerned about the Delta variant. Uh, I don't necessarily want to say it's going to slow our, our recovery down, but, but if we don't get ahead of this, it could have some consequences. I'm going to go ahead and say we are not ahead of it. We are way behind. It is ravaging, especially where I'm sitting at right now. Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi. Missouri getting absolutely savaged by it right now, and it's spreading. It's going up north. It's heading to a county, city, municipality near you. Congratulations. All right, the jobs report also showed how industries are doing throughout the entire pandemic. So if you're in these industries, let's show you what's going on. So these are the jobs recovered since March of 2020. You can see transportation. Well, that 100% of all jobs are back. Financial activities right there, about 90%. Construction and leisure hospitality. Well, those were at nearly 80%. But here's an industry that's really been struggling to get those jobs back, and that is government at only about 20%. Now, as far as what we're going to see in the fall, well, Marty Walsh told me that he believes there could actually be something, not money, something in place that could get the government or could get the unemployment numbers to improve. Take a listen. Not money. We're not going to give anybody any more money. No, 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 no. 
Let's let's hear what their bright idea is. I, I think that school starting is going to be a big help. Uh, parents will have a place now for their kids to, to they'll be going to school so parents will be freed up and not have to worry about really is saying that school was your babysitter all the remote learning mostly maybe a hybrid model and then during the summer there wasn't a lot of summer camps around so parents will have that that ability now we also talked wow Benefits. Remember those $300 a week? Well, that ended in Texas two months ago. For everyone else, it ended. It ends this weekend. Now I asked him. It ended in like 20 states two months ago. Ended months ago, would the numbers have been approved? He doesn't believe so. He says Texas last month when those benefits were gone, only the unemployment rate only dropped by 0.3%. So he's not sure if that would have made much of a difference. Now, uh, Labor Secretary Marty Walsh was. But we know for a fact that not having those unemployment benefits will be like a two billion dollar at six thirty we're going to deficit from the economy impacts us today plus if you're looking to get into those jobs maybe construction jobs we're going to tell you about a brand new program home depot is about to offer that can get you a job in just a few hours of training fuck home depot abc 13 eyewitness news Fuck any kind of, you know, chain retail. Fuck any kind of chain anything. Shop local if you can. Even if the local people are an asshole, keep the money local in your economy. I know, most of them are fucking Republican idiots. Fuck Home Depot. Managers are fearing a return to remote work through the Delta surge. It's going on. And they are definitely fearing a remote work future. We're reading from the Atlantic now in a story called Why Managers uh, Fear a Remote Work Future. In 2019, Steven Spielberg called for a ban on Oscar eligibility for streaming films claiming that movie theaters need to be around forever and that audience had to be given the motion picture theatrical experience for a movie to be a movie. I've went off on this before. You guys know my feelings on that bullshit. Spielberg's fury was about not only the threat that streaming posed to the in-person viewing experience, but the ways in which the streaming giant Netflix reported theatrical grosses and budgets, despite these not being the ways in which one evaluates whether a movie is good or not. Netflix held firm, saying that it stood for everyone everywhere enjoying uh, releases at the same time and for giving filmmakers more ways to share art. Ultimately, Spielberg balked, and last month his company even signed a deal with Netflix, likely because he now sees the writing on the wall, Modern audiences enjoy watching movies at home. In key ways, this fight resembles the current remote work debate in industries such as technology and finance. Since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic, and I'll, I'll go ahead and point it out to you guys, I've been working remotely. Like I don't work for an actual company. I'm a, a gig worker, but I've been working remotely since 2017. Work here from my home studio. And the advantage to it is that I put in, I don't want to say less work for the money. I feel like it takes me less 
time to make what I would have made having to go sit somewhere for 40 hours. 60 hours a lot of time. Like the last TV station I worked at. I was definitely there for 50, 60 hours a lot of weeks. And I make comparable money to that working 20, 25 hours a week instead. Because I'm only paid for what I produce for people. A lot of jobs just have this... this I, I think they've done studies where like people can get the work done in two hours or three hours to get done in a normal work day. But we keep people at the office for the eight hours just because like it's a control thing. Since the onset of the coronavirus pandemic, this has often been cast as a battle between the old guard and its assumed necessities and a new guard that has found a better way to get things done. But the narrative is not that tidy. Netflix's co-founder and CEO, Reed Hastings, one of the great disruptors of our age, deemed remote work a pure negative last fall. The 60-year-old Hastings is at the forefront of an existential crisis in the world of work, demanding that people return to the office despite not having an office himself. His criticisms of remote work is that not being able to get together in person is bad. I, I think it's a they want to be able to monitor you kind of deal. And I hate that. I hate that. Having to go back to a job for a few months like I did after going remote. It That's exactly what it felt like to me. Like one day I was getting ready to walk out. Like I had, I had all my work done. It's like four till or something like that. Four till five o'clock. I'm walking out, and the dude at the at the loading dock's like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "Finished with everything. I'm heading out of here." Oh, they don't like that. You got to stay till five. I got to go back over there and just sit around and jack off at a desk for four minutes just to satisfy somebody looking over my shoulder. This is what's wrong with fucking capitalism. And the the vice president of the company would just, you know, just walk through our shop randomly during the day. Hey, let me see what's going on. He'd just come up to me and ask me what I was listening to, what podcast I was listening to or something. I've got my eye on you. That's what that shit is. I fucking hate it. I hate it. And I was very unhappy at that job. (laughs) I didn't. I stayed long enough to collect, to use all my vacation time. Because I got vacation time from the moment I started. That That was the only job I've ever had like that. I used all my vacation time. And I got my Christmas bonus. And also, like, we all our days off for the year, like, fell during Christmas. Like, I was ready to quit in October. I stayed until the first week of January. (laughs) I got my fucking Christmas bonus. I got my fucking paid days off. And then I was like, see you guys. Every business leader should ask themselves a few questions before demanding that their employees return to the office. Prior to March 2020, how many days a week were you personally in the office? How many teams did you directly interface with? What teams did you spend the most time with? Do you have an office? If you don't, why not? What is office culture? What is your specific office's culture? 
Has your business actually suffered because of remote work? If so, how? I can't imagine that. I don't. I, I don't know. I was already working for a lot of companies that were remote. So I'm not like the 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 companies I have long term relationships with that I was with before the pandemic. They were already working with remote workers, and they fucking love it. Love it. Yeah, I'm on fucking Slack, Asana, all the all the fucking different services to be able to assign tasks and all that bullshit. Those companies think they like the the agileness. They like they like not paying me to sit around in an office for forty hours a week. Only let me build them, you know, a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there. For work they ask for. Some of the people loudly calling for a return to the office are not the same people who will actually be returning to the office regularly. The Old Guard's members feel heightened anxiety over the white-collar empires they've built, including the square footage of real estate they've leased and the number of people they've hired. That's I've, I've heard people talk about this, the, the real estate collapse that would come if we actually transition to remote work because we have so many just stupid-ass office buildings filled with cubicles and people doing meaningless bullshit. And it's kind of like how you have so many middle managers that have to justify their existence. These managers feel the need to to justify the existence of their space. Earlier this year, Google's parent company, Alphabet, rolled out an uneven return-to-office plan for its more than... 130,000 employees, the majority of workers must soon come back to the office three days a week, while others are permitted to keep working exclusively from home. One senior executive at the company has been allowed to work remotely from New Zealand. Remote work lays bare many brutal inefficiencies and problems that executives don't want to deal with because they reflect poorly on leaders and those they've hired. Ooh, yeah, we're getting to the meat of the argument here. Remote work empowers those who produce and disempowers those who have succeeded by being excellent diplomats and poor workers. Oh, hands down. I didn't even think about this. Remote work weeds out the ass kissers. Along with those who have succeeded by always finding someone to blame for their failures, it removes the ability to seem productive by sitting at your desk looking stressed or always being on the phone, and also, crucially, may reveal how many bosses and managers simply don't contribute to the bottom line. Ooh, that's another thing. I didn't think how the managerial class, these people that have worked themselves into these positions that probably are unjustified... They're the ones that probably don't want to go to remote work. Because they know their jobs are at stake. What the fuck do you do if you don't exist to just fucking babysit employees in a room? Once again, this is The Atlantic. I've run my own remote company that operates at the intersection of technology, media, and public relations since 2013. I retained an office for a year or so that I got rid of because... It was really just a place to meet before going off to have drinks. For seven years before the pandemic, some of my peers showed concern that my business wouldn't succeed without an in-person team. 
once again, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that I work for mainly marketing firms. That's PR for that. That's who contracts me. Clearly somebody who edits podcasts and video and shit. They are succeeding beyond their wildest dreams. The the dental company that I work for that does marketing for multiple dentists. They they have grown exponentially since I've been with them in the last four years. So I just like the benefits are there. I fucking I love the way this article laid it out. Shit I hadn't even thought about. Some people really do need to show up in person. I live in Las Vegas, a city of more than 600,000 people with more than 200,000 hospitality workers. And thus, I'm keenly aware of which tasks require someone to physically be there to complete them. You can't wash dishes over Zoom. You can't change bed sheets over Slack. Blue-collar workers are the backbone of the city as well as the consumer electronics show that the tech elites use to champion code-based products. Local hospitality workers suffered painfully during the pandemic as tourism in the city dried up. Because their jobs depend on thriving physical spaces. Yes. But for the tens of millions of us who spend most of our days sitting at a computer, the pandemic proved that remote work is just work. Every company that didn't require someone to physically do something in a specific place was forced to become more efficient on cloud-based production tools, and the office started to feel like just another room with internet access. If you'd like to finish reading this story, it was in The Atlantic, titled Why Managers Fear a Remote Work Future. I'm happy that I spent about 40 minutes talking about labor issues here on Labor Day weekend. We're getting into the nonsense that is modern politics. Casio Cortez slams Mansion for a $3.5 trillion bill opposition, points out ties to Exxon. AOC going for the jugular. Progressives berated Senator Joe Manchin for willfully ignoring the disastrous effects of the climate crisis on the U.S. after he urged Democrats to hit the pause button on Democrats' $3.5 trillion reconciliation package and argued for a strategic pause. A Wall Street Journal op-ed on Thursday. Now, apparently I wasn't the only one with the take that was like, hey, oh my God, a hurricane hit Louisiana and fucking shut down shit in New York City. I saw the take all over Twitter after I did the show on Thursday night. I'm glad I wasn't the only one that noticed that. I thought I was fucking crazy. I don't know. Maybe storms have always been that fucking powerful. But it never seemed like a storm hit Louisiana and caused massive problems in New York City before. So, And this was going on as Joe Manchin was pinning his op-ed on Thursday. By placing a strategic clause on this budgetary proposal by significantly reducing the size of any possible reconciliation bill to only what America can afford and needs to spend, we can and will build a better and stronger nation for our families, Manchin wrote. Holy shit, Manchin. Holy shit. I have gone over it on this show time and time again about the fact that we have 40,000, over 40,000 bridges in this country that are structurally deficient. 
Last week I talked about the locks on the rivers that don't function properly, that haven't been updated in decades. We can not afford to continue to ignore our crumbling infrastructure so you can give handies to your corporate backers. And while $3.5 trillion is a massive investment, it is far short of what we need to spend, Senator Manchin. If only you could just hit the pause button on our climate crisis, tweeted Representative Cory Bush. I wish that I could hit your mute button, but here we are, said Representative Ariana Presley. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Maybe we hit the cancel button on this so-called bipartisan charade of an Exxon lobbyist drafted infrastructure bill unless we actually pass a law that helps people's lives with health care expansion, child care, climate action, etc., wrote Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Twitter. Critics of Manchin pointed out that the climate disasters in the past week, like Hurricane Ida, have killed at least 43 people so far and caused major flooding in New York City. But they don't care. They don't care how many people fucking die. ExxonMobil don't fucking care how many people died in these climate disasters this past week. They don't care how many people fucking died out here of completely preventable COVID. They don't care. They're showing the, the scenes of disaster all over the fucking country. In the Wall Street Journal op-ed, Manchin wrote that the federal government should be spending $3.5 trillion because a smaller bill containing a wide slate of social and climate proposals would actually help the public more. West Virginia Senator also ignored that the one that has all the corporate giveaways is what he's talking about. So like the $800 billion bill that was new spending. I think it comes to like a $1.4 trillion was the price tag. West Virginia Senator also ignored the fact that Democratic leadership has promised that the bill will be fully paid for. By the way, tax and capital gains, fucking day trading, shit like that, that's how they're going to pay for it. And I was, uh, when we watched the debate on the House floor, another another thing about me going in cold about these things, they were arguing about um, Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, and I didn't know, I was like, what the fuck are they arguing about cryptocurrency well, turns out that's one of the ways they're wanting to pay for this is by tax on crypto trading. Perfectly plausible to me. Do it. He claimed instead that Democrats are ignoring the national debt. Democrats aren't ignoring the national debt. They're never the ones responsible for the fucking national debt. Every president in my lifetime that has been a Republican has ballooned the deficit and wrecked the economy. Both both Democrats in my lifetime cut the deficit with one being the only politician like a century to balance the budget. And we saw record GDP growth. So just by that fact alone, I do not know why right-wingers aren't on board with Democrats. That's why, like, I... I've got my issues with Hillary, but I tried to sell her all my Republican friends. I'm like, fucking vote for her. She's a war hawk. She's fiscally conservative. She's everything you fucking love, except she's 
for gay marriage, which you tell me you're supposedly for. What the hell? She's Ronald Reagan in a fucking pantsuit. Vote for fucking Hillary, dude. Like, Trump doesn't represent your values. What? So I don't know why you jackasses aren't on board with the Democrats. And, and, if, if just that little taste, those corporate ass fucking center of the road fucking third way Democrats like Obama, like Clinton, did that good of a job with the economy, huh, I wonder what it would be like if we actually let somebody like Bernie Sanders, who has some real progressive policies, I wonder what it would be like, what kind of, what kind of fucking economy we would preside over then. She was a Goldwater girl, exactly. And that, and like, that's how the Democrats sold her to the progressive wing, was like, oh, she'll appeal to the Republicans. No, she's not going to appeal to the Republicans. Because she's, she is everything, policy-wise, they agree with. They don't give a shit. It's not about policy. They don't care. They just want to be against anything progressives are for, and they have been told by their fucking big business daddies that they should fight against any kind of collective action. Whether that be the EPA putting regulations on a business, or whether that be the unionization of a workforce. Fight against collective action. Personal responsibility doesn't mean you actually take personal responsibility for your actions. It means you don't engage in unions or any kind of social action that will make change for the better. Because you read some fucking op-eds that the Koch brothers paid for. The Mercers paid for. That Rupert Murdoch fucking paid for. I fucking can't stand it. I sounded really hick there. We had a whole discussion on the freak show with Media Winch. I'm like, do I really sound? Because, like, she got on with it. She's like, I'm going to talk like this the whole show so I can fit in. I'm like, do I really sound like that? Holy fuck. All right, 9-11 is coming up. Joe Biden doing something I can agree with. Hopefully. Hopefully there's no caveats. Once again, I I don't read this stuff beforehand. I go in cold. Biden signs executive order calling for declassification review of 9-11 documents. President's action requires Attorney General Merrick Garland to release the declassified documents publicly over the next six months. Why over the next six months? Why not go ahead and do it? I mean, we're coming up on 9-11. What better time to do it than, like, this fucking week? Unless maybe it's going to make some people awfully pissed off before your your PR stunts. President Joe Biden signed an executive order on Friday, which, once again, he did it on Friday. That's when you do things that you don't want making news. Odd to me. President Joe Biden signed an executive order on Friday directing the Department of Justice and other government agencies to review documents related to the FBI's 9-11 investigations for potential declassification. For potential declassification, I thought we were getting the declassification. 
fulfilling a campaign promise just days before the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attacks. Biden's order requires Attorney General Merrick Garland to release the declassified documents publicly over the next six months. We must never forget the enduring pain of the families and loved ones of the 2,977 innocent people who were killed during the worst terrorist attack on America in our history, Biden said in a statement on Friday. For them, it was not only a national and uh, international tragedy, it was a personal devastation. Well, they've been asking you to declassify those documents for quite some time. They've been asking the government to declassify those documents for quite some time. Those people that still suck on Trump's balls. Why didn't Trump do it? Why didn't Trump do it? I thought he wasn't bought and paid for by the intel community. I thought they were against him. I thought the deep state was against Donald Trump. Why is Biden doing this? Huh? Can you tell me that? The president's executive order came after nearly 1,800 Americans directly affected by the attacks issued a statement last week opposing Biden's participation in any memorial events this year unless he upholds his pledge to declassify the documents. Evidence they believe may show a connection between Saudi Arabian leaders and the events. Once again, I'm confused. I thought we already had fucking evidence that the the Saudis were involved. Since the conclusion of the 9-11 Commission in 2004, much investigative evidence has been uncovered implicating Saudi government officials in supporting the attacks. Through multiple administrations, the Department of Justice and the FBI have actively sought to keep this information secret and prevent the American people from learning the full truth about the 9-11 attacks. Thousands of victims' relatives sued Saudi Arabia in 2017 for complicity. Families have pushed four U.S. presidents to no avail to release more information about possible Saudi involvement in financing the terrorist attacks. Advocates were outraged last year when then-Attorney General William Barr said the documents must stay classified to protect national security just months after former President Donald Trump had promised to free the FBI files. Well, Barr was just part of the deep state because he didn't help uh, Trump steal the election. That's what they would say. A former FBI agent has come forward and says that the 9-11 hijackers actually had U.S.-based support. To which I say, surprise, surprise! At least two of the 9-11 hijackers probably had a U.S.-based support network, according to a former FBI agent. Now, once again... We're reading from the New York Post here, so this is going to be sensational and biased towards the right. Yeah, I... I like Stephanie Miller, all right, in terms of being a broadcaster, in terms of her content. I'm not a... I'm not a... I'm not a fan. I think she's a good broadcaster. I think she's funny. I, I like some of the cast of characters she brings on. Well, like how Sparks would go on her show. I haven't listened to the Stephanie Miller show in like a while. Like it was one of the, I had satellite radio through most of the 2000s. And I listened to the left wing talk radio station. And like Stephanie Miller is like at the ass end of the Air America. I don't even think it was called Air America anymore. 
So I'm I'm not that familiar with her, but I have listened to her show before, and I think Hal Sparks was on her show. I liked Hal an awful lot. He's what you would call a shit lib as well. At least two of the 9-11 hijackers probably had U.S.-based support network, according to a former FBI agent. Danny Gonzalez worked on Operation Encore, the still-secret investigation, into the two Saudi hijackers who were based in San Diego. Gonzalez told CBS News he's confident the records of that operation will show the hijackers had help. We have video. Today, President Biden signed an executive order directing the Justice Department to look into declassifying some documents. Well, I just did that story. If I'd known there was video, I would just played it and let her say it. Related to the 9-11 attacks. He did so under pressure from families of victims who are demanding to know if Saudi Arabia helped the 9-11 hijackers. We get more. Spoiler alert. They did. Now from CBS's Catherine Herridge, including an exclusive interview with two former investigators. Brad Eagleson was 15 years old when his father, Bruce, was killed in the World Trade Center South Tower. And that's my dad. Eagleson is now leading a group of 9-11 families battling their own government to release still-secret FBI files from the case. It's a 10-year-long investigation that specifically investigated the role that the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia played in supporting the hijackers. The case, codenamed Operation Encore, centered on the... And apparently I can't bring up Saudi Arabia with fucking sparkles because she has a hard-on for Prince Bonesaw. And, like, she's not even going to say anything bad. So, like, she wants to go and live with Prince Bonesaw. That's her, like, wafu or some shit. That's the kind of shit you miss if you don't watch the Friday Night Freak Show. Two hijackers that lived in San Diego and who assisted them. Is that the first mosque they went to in San Diego? This is it right here. Danny Gonzalez was an FBI agent who worked on Operation Encore. He showed us the neighborhood the hijackers lived in. This is his first television interview about the case. 19 hijackers cannot... Oh shit, the deep state's shutting us down. They don't want us to hear what Gonzalez has to say. Fuck. Maybe the Saudis are in on it. Maybe it's the Saudis shutting me down right now. Fucking Prince Bonesaw is going to pop in my apartment and pull a Khashoggi on me. What the fuck, guys? Operation Encore. He showed us the neighborhood the hijackers lived in. This is his first television interview about the case. 19 hijackers cannot. Cannot what? We need to know. We need to know, dude. What? Don't leave us hanging. My internet's fine. I don't know what's happening. They don't want us to know the truth. I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy. I, I like I used to be a conspiracy theorist when I was like in my early twenties, but like, are they working against me? Do they not want me exposing? The Saudi connection, the FBI's connection to 9-11. Holy fuck. 
Today, President Biden signed an executive order directly. Yeah, we've already done this part. Get us to the get us to the some document. The domestic support network for the hijackers. Obviously. No question. I can't comment on it, but this is his first television interview about the case. Nineteen hijackers cannot commit three thousand mass murders by themselves. Based on what you found, do you believe there was a domestic support network for the hijackers? Obviously. No question. I can't comment on it, but you don't have to be an FBI agent with 26 years of, of experience to figure that out. Gonzalez says the two hijackers, Nawafa Hazmi and Khalid Almadar, were helped by a number of Saudis, including Omar al-Bayoumi. Bayoumi was working for the Saudi government and has said he randomly ran into the two hijackers at a restaurant in Los Angeles and urged them to move to San Diego. He lived in this apartment complex. There he helped them find an apartment and open a bank account. The two hijackers even started flight school nearby. I can't sit on the sidelines when I know the truth. Gonzalez says he's under FBI orders not to reveal certain classified information about Operation Encore, as is another former agent, Ken Williams, who wrote a memo before 9-11 warning potential terrorists were taking flight lessons in Arizona. Both men are now working for the families. The evidence is there. I've seen it, but I can't get into specifics because of protective order. The 9-11 families are suing Saudi Arabia for money. The Saudis deny official involvement. And the 9-11 Commission report found no connection. But Operation Encore started two years after the Commission's report. If we took the team's records from Operation Encore, right. what would the public learn? A lot. A lot. Would it change our understanding of 9-11? Sure. Yes. Successive presidents have kept Operation Encore secret, citing national security. Brett Eagleson... I bet national security! ...is a critical first step, but he remains skeptical. Two decades after the attack... Their own fucking national security because the Bush family doesn't want to go on trial at the Hague. Eagleson wants his daughter to know the secrets of 9-11. Her grandpa, he was a hero in the World Trade Center. ...and who killed her grandfather. Catherine Heerich, CBS News, Washington. Apparently, it was Chris Jenner, according to Sparkles. Hear more about that on the 9-11 edition of the Friday Night Freak Show coming up this Friday. They probably had help from inside our government because, like, there are people working inside our government that are fucked. Like this dude at the State Department who his co-workers say, like, he has a threatening presence. We feel his presence in the department is threatening, they say. State employees protest the continued employment of an anti-Semitic blogger in their ranks. group of more than 70 State Department officials sent a letter to U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken voicing alarm about an openly anti-Semitic department employee who continues to have a home in our midst, calling for his removal according to a copy of the letter obtained by Foreign Policy. Fritz Berggren, a U.S. Foreign Service officer, maintains a website bloodandfaith.com where he writes online posts and publishes video and audio 
assailing Jews, the LGBTQ community, and calling for the creation of a Christian nation state. Fuck! Dude's just a straight-up Nazi. I'll get more of the story here. Oh, it cuts me off. Where the Where's the rest of it? Letter which was sent to Blinken on July 28th and signed by more than 70 employees, according to two officials involved in the matter, reads Fritz Berger. And even the name, even the fucking name, Fritz Bergren. Of course he's a Nazi. I'm sorry, I shouldn't judge people by their name. Fuck. Fritz von Erich played a Nazi, though, in wrestling. Fritz Bergren's continued employment is an affront to all of us and the values we share. While there may be HR processes underway, they do not appear to be having an impact and are apparently proceeding very slowly. Fucking wow! But hey, let him stay there while there are still insurrectionists planning attacks and rallies on the nation's capital. We have a new date for the next insurrection. It's called September 18th. MAGA ralliers will be the most hardened and incomplete alternative reality, according to a former FBI agent. But given their track record, the FBI agent probably knows because he's, he's in the group with them. Probably bought them all their fucking gear and shit. This fuck wild shit is going on. Supporters of former President Donald Trump who are attending a September 18th rally supporting those charged for the January 6th attack at the U.S. Capitol will be among the most hardened members of the MAGA movement, a former FBI special agent and terrorism expert warned on MSNBC on Friday. Clint Watts was interviewed by MSNBC's Joy Reid about the upcoming rally that is expected to feature members of the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. What's uh, told, Reed, it's hard to tell right now, Joy. I think that the next week will when we'll know how serious it is. But I can tell you this, since January 6th, there hasn't been a rally generated this much noise in the social media space for a lot of, the, uh, a lot of these groups until September 18th. That's the first one and gotten a lot of attention. They've been dispersing and going to city council meetings and going to um, school board meetings. The Goat Keepers! What's added some caveats by saying that some hardcore MAGA fans might avoid the rally for fear that it's a false flag operation. Yes, these motherfuckers are paranoid as shit and they don't live in reality. A man by the name of the QAnon shaman arrested in the original Capitol riot Jacob Chansley, the capital writer known as the QAnon Shaman, pleaded guilty on Friday to a single felony charge in connection with the January 6th attack. Chansley, 34, pleaded guilty in a Washington, D.C. federal court in a virtual hearing to obstruction of an, of an official proceeding. According to court records, he will be sentenced on November 17th. Six charges were originally brought against Chancellor in connection with the riot, including the obstruction charge and a felony charge of civil disorder. His guilty plea in court on Friday was part of a larger deal struck with prosecutors in the case. The other five charges have been dismissed. Chancellor pleaded guilty to one count of the more serious charge, which could have resulted in 20 years in prison. 
Under the terms of the agreement, Chancellor agreed to serve 41 to 51 months in prison. If the court decides to impose a fine, the penalty can range between 15 grand and 150 grand. I agree with you that it's good to see that they're incredibly disorganized, but they're also fucking violent as shit, and they've got a bunch of nut jobs among them, and they're paranoid as fuck, and that's dangerous. It's not like the dissent among them is going to result in them being less active. I think it almost like it will confirm their biases and make them even more active or more prone to a violent movement. Unfortunately. Because remember, we're dealing with the dumbest fucks walking the planet. Not only are they the dumbest fucks walking the planet, more than likely, they're driving a 40, 50 grand fucking pickup truck, living in a nice house in the suburbs. They've had a a small taste of the affluence. Over 570 people have been arrested in connection with the riots that led to five deaths. Among them, 30 individuals have pleaded guilty to charges in connection with the riots. Meanwhile, about 17 of them are waiting to hear from their lawyer, who was apparently in a hospital with COVID. We did that story the other night. I just wanted to touch on it. I just wanted to. I just wanted to make fun of it again. Because he was a dumb fuck anti-masker. Capital riot suspect Doug Jensen was supposed to stay off of the internet. He didn't. Now he's back in jail. Doug Jensen, a Des Moines man charged in the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, was released from jail in July after he promised he would abide by the rules the court set if a judge would allow him to go home until his trial. Although he promised not to access the internet on Thursday, he was ordered back to jail because he violated the terms of his pretrial release by using an iPhone connected to the internet in August, just two weeks after he was released. Frankly, I think it's... Probable, probably a logical inference that there are no conditions that I can impose that will ensure Mr. Jensen does not pose a risk to the community. Judge Timothy Kelly said on Thursday, I made Mr. Jensen's condition of release extraordinarily clear. Jensen spent six months in a Washington, D.C. jail, but was released after he successfully petitioned a judge to release him to his home. His lawyer said at the time he renounced his previous belief in the QAnon conspiracy and would abide by whatever terms the court set. Kelly said, however, that Jensen called himself a true believer of QAnon and a digital soldier for these theories before January 6th now clear that he has not experienced a transformation and that he continues to seek out those conspiracy theories that led to his dangerous conduct on January 6th. I don't see any reason to believe that he has had the wake-up call that he needs. While out of jail, Jensen was prohibited from accessing the internet or using internet-capable devices, according, uh, including cell phones. But in August, prosecutors said a pre-trial service officer caught Jensen in his garage streaming a program on a Wi-Fi-enabled iPhone. Jensen first claimed the phone was his daughter's, according to a brief uh, prosecutor's filed on August 19th. 
that he claimed his wife left the news on for him when she left for work. According to the brief, later he admitted he'd spent a, he spent two days streaming a cyber symposium held by Pillow Magnet and leading Stop the Still advocate Mike Lindell. Jensen's attorney, Christopher Davis, wrote on August 22nd that Jensen was cutting a tree down during a hot week and would go into the garage to cool down while listening to the conference on a phone using a Bluetooth-enabled radio. Davis said that Jensen complied with every other condition of his release. He intended to comply with the internet prohibition as well if he was allowed to remain out of jail. He, no, no, I really will comply if you'll let me out again. Davis even proposed sending Jensen to the Polk County Jail for some time to sanction him for the violation. Mr. Jensen has owned up to what he did, and what he did was wrong, Davis said. By the way, this was Jensen from one of the famous pictures from January 6th. The guy right here in front with the beard and the QAnon shirt that says, Trust the Plan. But prosecutors had argued that Jensen was already being monitored with the most stringent level of pretrial supervision available. Assistant U.S. Attorney Hava Mural wrote that Jensen's wife, who was tasked with supervising Jensen and making sure he abided by the terms of his release, left the iPhone with him when she went to work August 13th. Jensen has shown that he has not and will not take orders from anyone. He still trusts the plan. There are no additional conditions that the court could impose to ensure that Mr. Jensen does not return to the same habit of watching fucking stupid-ass My Pillow Guy. Do you think we're stupid? You think we're fools? Yes. Yes, I do. Also, I'm going to throw up the content warning before this one. This one is a sickening story, though there's not anything graphic we're going to be describing or watching. Remington seeks the school records of children killed in Sandy Hook Massacre. The gun manufacturer Remington is seeking the school records of children killed in the Sandy Hook Massacre. The family's suing Remington Arms over its marketing of the rifle used in the Sandy Hook School Massacre want a court order to order want a court to order the gunmaker to keep confidential school records. It has subpoenaed about five children and four educators who died in the 2012 attack in Newtown. The lawyer for the families asked for the protective order in a motion dated Thursday. Part of the ongoing argument between the families and the gunmaker over the relevance and confidentiality of records the parties are trying to collect as they prepare cases for the trial now scheduled in the coming weeks. The latest salvo in the dispute was fired by attorney uh, Joshua D. Koskoff, who represents the states of the nine in response to subpoenas from Remington Arms to Newton Public uh, School, Newtown Public Schools for employment files of the four teachers, as well as the kindergarten and first grade educational records of five children, names and names here, five school children whom claims have brought the case, for whom claims have brought in the case. The Remington subpoena demands, among other things, the children's application and admission paperwork, attendance records, transcripts, report cards, and disciplinary records. Now, 
in legal proceedings, it is good jurisprudence to subpoena everything, anything and everything that you can. But this is no ordinary case. The lawyers should know how this looks to the public, the way it would affect the family. First of all, Remington should just fucking own up and give the families whatever the fuck they want. I can't believe this is even going to trial that Remington thinks it can fucking be. That's how fucking sick these people are. I can't believe that, which I think is in bankruptcy. I don't think Remington, I don't know what the terms of their bankruptcy is. Maybe they're waiting for the outcome of this case, but I do believe they have filed bankruptcy. I just, I don't get it. How do you people not have a fucking give these families whatever the fuck they ask for? I can't believe they didn't settle to not have this PR disaster. But they don't care. These fucks are heartless. Gun manufacturers are heartless. And at, at, like, if you watch this show regularly, you know I'm not anti-gun. I'm anti-gun manufacturer. I'm anti the capitalism involved in guns and marketing them to stupid people. I think we can outlaw the sale and manufacture of guns without ever bothering the Constitution. Doesn't take your doesn't take away your right to possess a gun, but we sure as fuck can get rid of these these asshole companies who would do something like this. They're gonna fight it, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna put these families through a jury trial instead of just paying out whatever the whatever the fuck the families wanted. I don't I don't even know. I don't know what the conditions are. I don't know what the families were asking for. No monetary compensation could ever fucking replace their children their families like the teachers of the teachers that died that are involved in the lawsuit maybe 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 the families were out to just fucking bankrupt the country or the company make sure it couldn't continue maybe they want a jury trial I don't know I don't know all the details Let's get some details about some shit going on in Texas dealing with the new abortion law that went into effect. There's also been a ruling. I don't know how it impedes on the enforcement of the new law. Hopefully we'll get to that here in a second. First, the Satanic Temple is set to challenge Texas abortion law on freedom of religion grounds. Texas's controversial fetal heartbeat bill may have many fans among some religious communities, but the Satanic Temple isn't among them. The religion, which does not have uh, uh, does not have or believe in gods, filed a letter with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to request its members have access to abortion pills on grounds of freedom of religion. The bounties are disgusting. This is that's their way of getting around the courts. It was like it's a civil action. The state sanctioned a civil action. And this, and that's why the Supreme Court was like, we don't know if it's constitutional or not. 
fucking stupid. Now the Satanic Temple took aim at Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, who I would like to point out was indicted. Was indicted for fraud like five fucking years ago and is currently the Attorney General of Texas. This whole thing is fucked up. There's nobody to root for in this one. Temple, which is based in Salem, Massachusetts, says its members hold bodily autonomy sacred. Fortune reports... Uh, the Satanic Temple hopes to retain access to abortion pills using its Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Though the act, or through the act, Native American populations are allowed to access the hallucinogenic peyote for their practices. This uh, this article doesn't mention it, but the Satanic Temple has not uh, not ever won a case arguing that in court. And the Satanic Temple is actually kind of problematic. This article from Jezebel uh, back in 2018. The Satanic Temple was engulfed in a civil war over a decision to hire an attorney with a stable of alt-right clients. Also, I know that the Temple is... The Temple is suing multiple gay organizations... (laughs) The temple is not exactly what they appear to be. Now, make your own judgments. Go dig into it. But, like, I just want to put a caveat next to the Satanic Temple here. Lucian Greaves of the Satanic Temple announced that he was considering a lawsuit against Twitter on religious discrimination grounds in the intervening months. Now, apparently what this grift is is that they charge you 25 bucks to join the temple thinking that that gives you access to abortion rights and you can argue it in court, but they've never successfully argued in court. And, and I don't know what the, how, I don't know how the court cases have gone, what the courts have ruled on, if they threw it out for not having standing or what have you. I don't know what the, I don't know how the court case has gone, but the Satanic Temple has never won in court on those grounds. But it, Apparently, it's very litigious. Hey, Satanic Temple, come after me. The intervening months, the decision to sue Twitter has grown into part of a controversy that's engulfed the organization and recently led one of the temple's major chapters, the Satanic Temple Los Angeles, to leave the group entirely. The breaking point, according to a statement issued by the former TST Los Angeles, is the attorney representing Greaves, Mark Randaza, a First Amendment lawyer who currently represents a major neo-Nazi publisher, several key alt-right figures, and Alex Jones. Now that in and of itself, like, you could say, like, the ACLU represents Nazis because they fucking do whenever, like, the Nazis legitimately have had their rights trampled on. Because the ACLU, despite what the right will tell you, will take up any case where freedom is being abridged. The ACLU does amazing work. Just representing bad people is not in and of itself a bad thing. However, like fucking, if you're Alex Jones' lawyer, that's that's probably not a good indication of company you keep. The Satanic Temple is, of course, 
a merry band that engages in high-concept legal trolling in the United States. They often sue both state and federal government agencies over reproductive rights and religious freedom issues. But beyond acting as a sort of satanic yes-men, they've become a genuine spiritual home for a lot of people who have found TST's central tenets to be in line with the way they lead their own lives. The satanic uh, temple aren't theistic satan, uh, satanists and do not literally worship Satan. Their core beliefs are a respect for science and intellectual inquiry, as well as a commitment to bodily autonomy. They strongly oppose corporal punishment, for example, on the basis that it violates a child's right to bodily integrity. Satanists also don't proselytize. People tend to find their way to Satanism, what many of them refer to poetically as a coming-home moment. What began as a sort of prank, in other words, has grown into a much larger movement. The Satanic Temple's disagreements have grown bigger, too, particularly over the priorities of the National Umbrella Organization, which is headquartered in Salem, Massachusetts. One of those priorities is the lawsuit against Twitter, which came about through an extraordinarily weird set of circumstances. The incident began when former child actor Corey Feldman started ranting about Satanic nutbags and retweeted a call to burn the Satanic Temple's headquarters down. Well, that's not very nice, Corey Feldman. By the way, if you guys want to watch something crazy sometime, watch Corey Feldman's performance of, I think the song was called Go For It. Unlike the Today Show or CBS's, one of those fucking shows like that. Go watch that video right now. Not right now, don't stop my show, but... If you're watching this show later, pause the show, go watch that Corey Feldman video. And then hate me or thank me. I don't know which one you'll do. Hate me because I I turned you on to that crazy ass fucking video. I I don't, well, I mean, I, I feel sorry for the guy like fucking going through the whole child actor thing. And apparently he was molested by multiple people. I feel sorry for him. However, he shouldn't be calling for the Satanic Temple's headquarters to be burnt down. Even if perhaps there's some reason to want to. Because they associate with fascists. I don't... This whole thing is wild. Reese announced his intention to sue after Twitter for some reason temporarily disactivated his account following Feldman's rant. Instead of suspending Feldman or the Twitter user calling for the headquarters to be burnt down. TST alleges that Twitter's behavior amounted to religious discrimination and announced that they had filed a complaint with the Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination in May, represented by Randaza. This is the guy that represents Alex Jones, but not everyone in the organization agreed with that choice. In a statement on Instagram posted over the weekend, the Satanic Temple, this was back three years ago, the Satanic Temple Los Angeles, who quickly renamed themselves the Satanic Collective, announced their withdrawing from the Satanic Temple over a series of leadership decisions culminating in the Twitter lawsuit. They wrote, This decision was reached after months of deliberation in the wake of the Satanic Temple's executive ministry's decision to pursue a religious discrimination claim against Twitter. So yeah, I don't I don't know and I know I know that the Satanic Temple is suing multiple gay organizations cuz they're incredibly litigious.
And I noticed the Satanic Temple is getting a lot of coverage. But if I had to guess, that's that's more of a thing where like local news organizations get a lot of comments about the Satanists. So any chance they get to do a story about the Satanic Temple, they do it because it gets a lot of engagement on the Facebook. The Texas abortion law could still be destroyed by the Supreme Court, according to a dumb fuck Republican senator. Senator Bill Cassidy on Sunday said he expects the U.S. Supreme Court may well swat away the Texas abortion law once it comes to them in an appropriate case. Remember, they didn't take up the case because they said that the filing wasn't proper. U.S. Supreme Court, in a 5-4 to four vote, allowed Texas's new abortion law to take effect last week. But in doing so, the court's majority did not specifically pass judgment on the merits of the law, which sets up unique and possibly unconstitutional enforcement mechanisms dependent on private citizens using the courts. I do believe GoDaddy took the website away, so I won't tell you to go flood the website. Pro-life snitches or whatever the fuck it was called. I think the Supreme Court will swat it away once it comes to them in an appropriate manner. Cassidy, a Republican uh, from Louisiana, said. If it's as terrible as people say it is, it'll be destroyed by the Supreme Court, Cassidy said. He added that the Supreme Court had rejected the challenge last week because those who brought the lawsuit didn't have standing to do so, meaning they didn't have a sufficient stake in the case to file a challenge to the law. But here's the thing that the Supreme Court did that broke with precedent. Usually, they wouldn't let the law go into effect and they would ask for another petition. Because the law is so clearly egregiously unconstitutional. Supporters of legal abortion, among other things, argued that the court's acceptance of the new law represented a de facto end to rights granted in the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision, as well as an attack on personal privacy and a way of introducing an element of vigilante justice to the legal system. Because how else would you do it in Texas? It just seems, I know this sounds ridiculous, almost un-American, Joe Biden said on Friday. Cassidy, who noted his personal opposition to abortion, said Democrats overreacted to last week's ruling. Louisiana Senator also... How is it an overreaction? If it effectively closes all of the abortion clinics in Texas as of fucking five days ago, how is it an overreaction? How is it an overreaction that the court, that you people said you didn't want fucking activist judges clearly broke with the precedent of the court and allowed an unconstitutional law to take effect. How is that an overreaction? The Louisiana senator also said all the arguments over the Texas law were a distraction from more pressing issues, including the devastating impact of Hurricane Ida on his home state. Wow. People are using it to gin up their base to distract from disastrous policies in Afghanistan, maybe for fundraising appeals, he said. I wish we would focus on issues. The nerve of a Republican 
to talk about people using the issue of abortion to gin up their base. Or make fundraising appeal. Holy shit. I wish you people could feel shame. I wish you could feel shame, Cassidy. I wish we would focus on issues as opposed to theater, he says. It was about if they had standing, nothing to do with constitutionality. I think we should move on to other issues, Cassidy says. Fuck you. Fuck you. You, your head looks like a jar of mayonnaise. Bill fucking Cassidy. Fuck you, dude. Right-wingers are morons. And it's clearly, it is clearly political that he wants to downplay it because he knows it will indeed be good fundraising for Democrats. It will indeed be good for Democrats going into the 2022 midterms. Go fuck yourself. A woman I'd usually tell to go fuck herself, but she's actually in the right here. The woman with the Globemintum, Amy Globachar, was on CNN's State of the Union talking about the abortion ban in Texas, the effective abortion ban. This decision ban. that they made with the state of Texas is unbelievable. Um, and Justice Roberts, not exactly a liberal, a conservative justice who sided with the liberal justices in this case in dissent, said that the Texas law was unusual. It was unprecedented mm-hmm. that they're basically taking their own authority and giving it to the. And you better goddamn believe I am not high enough to agree with Amy Klobuchar. Populist in the form of, hey, you can be a bounty hunter. you can report a woman who's trying to go and seek to exercise her constitutional rights. That is exactly what that law says. And in the past, when they had cases that were so blatantly against Roe v. Wade, they would stay those cases when such requests came up. They did it with another Texas law. They did it in 2015. They did it in 2019. They've done it to Alabama. Here you have them this year, this week, basically telling women in Texas that 85% of them seeking abortion services cannot exercise. I don't see. I don't see how it, it just doesn't automatically close down all the abortion clinics in Texas. I don't see, like, I haven't had an update. I don't know what the news is over the weekend. Maybe we'll get a story on that sometime this week. How the abortion clinics are going forward. Hopefully we'll find out. Exercise their constitutional rights. And they know very well that there are over 500 laws that are messing around with this. And you're going to see cases just like this come before them. They did it at midnight with just less than 72 hours of debate in Justice Kagan's words. And basically green lighted a law that is blatantly against Roe v. Wade. This is an assault on women's health. I don't I don't like the whole they did it at midnight thing. A lot of fucking Supreme Court rulings come fucking late in the evening for some reason. I don't know what that is. I've seen it multiple times. I know I know what they're trying to say, but I do want to be fair. Like I've seen Supreme Court decisions come in the dead of fucking night many times. 
is no doubt about it. And as you could see by my exchange with Amy Coney Barrett, we could see it coming. There are now. But there was, okay, okay. So the weird thing about like them issuing the ruling was like the next night at midnight. Because it's it's one thing if they're debating a law that goes into effect on September first. Like, oh, it's not odd that they debated up until the time that the law went into effect. But they went ahead and let the law go into effect before they issued their ruling. Supreme Court justices. Let's go back a little bit because this is the part that's important. Trump Supreme Court justices. You add that to the two conservatives that were already there. This is the result. It's not a surprise. Oh, maybe that cut the part off that I really wanted to talk about. Fuck. She kind of, uh, she made overtures to Breyer that like, hey, maybe you need to get your ass off the court and retire and let Biden pick your successor because we don't know what's going to happen. Who the fuck knows? Donald Trump may very well be president come 2023 if they are able to pull off this bullshit they're talking about. If you guys have not heard about this. They, it, if the Republicans take the House in 2022, it's possible that they will because of the gerrymandering. It is very possible Republicans will retake the House in 2022. If Republicans retake the House, there is nothing, there is nothing that says that the Speaker of the House has to be a member of the House. They are talking about putting Donald Trump in as the Speaker of the House. Let's say they win the Senate. They are talking about impeaching Biden and Harris. Donald Trump will be third in line and reinstalling him as the president. This is an actual thing they are talking about on the right. Yes, in in an off-year election... The party that controls the presidency usually loses seats in the House. It's a razor-thin margin as it is right now. And as we're in an extremely gerrymandered district, the one saving grace for Democrats is the Trump effect. Trump literally drives out the Democratic vote. The more Trump, the more Trump inserts him inserts himself into the 2022 race, the better it is for Democrats. I... I I don't think he wins it in 2024. I think he is absolutely the Republican nominee if he makes it to that point. I think the most likely scenario is that he is broke and engaged in all kinds of lawsuits and legal actions and maybe even fighting off criminal charges. If not Trump himself, the Trump organization will be. And that he won't be in a position to run. If I had to place money on the most likely scenario by 2024... That's what happens. He's probably going to try to fundraise, especially through 2022. Absolutely. I mean, 
He's going to grip. Grift are going to grift. So, but like, I I think the most likely scenario is like, even if he's even still alive, we've got a we got a story about like, he says he's not going to take a booster shot. Now, I wouldn't I wouldn't fucking doubt he's already had a booster. But like, he's out here doing rallies. We're talking about waning vaccine efficacy. We're eight months away from when he was vaccinated. The most likely scenario, if he didn't get a booster shot, if he's if he's if he's lying, if he hasn't already got a booster shot, then I the most likely scenario is that he catches the COVID again. It would be nice. I don't I don't know what you're insinuating with that. That would be fun though. Uh Trump. What was the last story I just did that had us all talking about the, oh, oh, we were talking about going into the 2022 elections and the Trump effect. We'll go ahead and jump ahead since we're, since we're talking about him here. I'll reorder my stories. Trump says he is unlikely to get COVID-19 vaccine booster shot. The former president has urged his supporters to get vaccinated, but tells the Wall Street Journal he probably won't get a booster when it's available. He's the former president. I'd assume they have offered to, to give him a booster shot already. I'd say Biden and Harris have had a booster shot. We're going to talk about boosters here in a second. Like, I'm so pissed. And this whole plan about getting people boosters by the 20th instead of actually vaccinating the rest of the world because you want to make sure the U.S. economy keeps going. From President Donald Trump, who received a COVID-19 vaccination before, relieving, uh, before leaving the White House this year, said he is unlikely to receive the booster shot that U.S. health regulators are expected to approve in the coming months. I feel like I'm in good shape from that standpoint. I probably won't. Mr. Trump said in an interview with the Wall Street Journal, I'll look at stuff later on. I'm not against it, but it's probably not for me. So let's hope the Delta variant has its way with him. The Food and Drug Administration has already authorized the additional shot for certain people with weakened immune systems. The agency had been expected to greenlight an extra dose for all three COVID-19 shots administered in the U.S. starting in mid-September. The timetable may be pushed back as regulators need more time to review the data, at least for the Moderna and Johnson & Johnson shots. I will also say there are regulators at the FDA that quit over this. It's amazing to me how tiny his hands really are. I I know people made jokes about it, how he used to uh, like get on to people about his tiny hands and he was really self-conscious about it. But then you look at a picture like this and look how fucking his hand really is incredibly small. He has tiny, tiny fucking hands. The Trump admin absolutely bullied the CDC, and they've got shell shock over what went on 
during that administration, but apparently the Biden administration is also coming in. It is... It has a political agenda as well, and we've seen it in action. It is to not stop the economy for any reason whatsoever, and it is to pursue herd immunity with your kids and then get vaccines to as many people that can that are working age. That's literally what they're doing. That is literally what they're doing. Get as many people vaccinated so it does not disrupt the work schedule in this country. People don't want to get vaccinated. Oh, well. Send all the kids to school so the schools are all COVID parties. Like chicken bot parties. Make sure all the kids get it. And that's how we're going to reach herd immunity. Because they were tired of waiting. They were tired of waiting. Tell me I'm wrong. How am I wrong? Do you, do you guys see any evidence to dispute what I just said? I I would love to be wrong on this. Right-wingers are yelling about how, like, oh, the, 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 the Democrats are pushing for lockdowns again. What fucking lockdowns? What fucking lockdowns? No one's pushing for any lockdowns. They're bathing your kids in it. Fuck. Yeah, there there weren't real lockdowns in the first... Like, we just, like... We shut down the, like, entertainment industry and shit. That's all we... We shut down mass gatherings. You couldn't have NBA games and fucking crowds for concerts and shit. Factory jobs kept fucking going. What could go remote went remote. Yeah, 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 yeah. We we never even tried to contain the spread of the virus. We did a minimal lockdown to protect the managerial class. I know, and, and like, here's the thing, is like, if they really wanted to keep bringing us football and basketball that was easy enough to do and do it like in a bubble like the nba proved it was possible no like nope we gotta have fans now we gotta sell tickets we gotta sell merchandise we gotta keep we gotta keep the machine going i'm just i'm sickened by all this and once again i'm sitting here with tickets to one of my favorite bands that i bought on my birthday Back in May, I bought tickets. I'm like, oh, I'm vaccinated. Oh, this is... We're going to get this shit under control. And I don't know if, like, if that concert happens, if I will go to it. I'm scared to fucking death. Do I wear my N95 and go down there and, like... It was supposed to be outdoors. It's not going to be outdoors. It's going to be indoors now. They moved the stage back indoors because why the fuck not? Even though it's still fucking 80-something degrees outside. Jesus. Jesus. 
Oh, yeah. There's no way around it. There is no... I mean, there have been U.S. strains already. They just haven't caught on. Like, there's, there have been numerous new strains of this shit. It's just, you know, which one catches on and is more infectious and is more contagious and is deadlier. And I, I, there's going to be an Alabama variant. There's going to be a Florida variant. There's going to be a Louisiana. There's some, one of these fucking states is going to pop up with a fucking variant that rocks our world. I have friends that saw Atlantis just a few days ago. And I'm, I'm looking at them at the fucking concert and I'm like, oh God, I hope you guys are safe. Yeah, 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 your country has been more responsible about it. Like, okay, here I am and like not only in the United States, but in like the worst state in the United States for the spread of this shit. The Juggalos thing, I'm kind of understanding because what, like, it, uh, one of them has, uh, one of them has some problems. One of them has some health issues, and like, it's it's going to be their farewell tour. Jaggy too dope. I don't know which one it was. I don't know which ones. I don't know my Juggalos. I'm sorry. Meanwhile, Tennessee schools are frustrated with the contact tracing. Because they're just sending your kids to have COVID parties. They don't give a shit. They don't want you to quarantine either. Go to school sick. Go to work sick. Do it. The number of school-aged children in Tennessee testing positive for COVID-19 in the last 14 days has swelled to 30,397 as of Tuesday. A 600 and 55% increase. The outbreak among children has prompted some school districts to close. And that's another thing. Why am I... I'm seeing school districts saying, oh, we're closing down for two weeks. We'll be back in two weeks. We'll be back on September 19th. What, you think is not going to happen again? You weren't even open for two weeks. What? A flu shots are available for most people right now. You can go and get your flu shots. Yes, Atlanta's more set. I think it's raining outside. That's cool. It cooled this place down. I like it. It's not as hot as it was when I started the show. I was sweating really bad at the start. I... I mean, I understand. And yeah, that's what they're saying they're doing. Like, oh, we're going to deep clean the school for two weeks. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. (laughs) The outbreak has prompted some school districts to close. The uh, The latest in Sumner County... Where the district has opted to close next week. Next week, they're just closing for one week. The school will be using inclement weather days in an effort to mitigate spread in the county, which currently reports 868 school age positive infections. 
I don't understand. The way to defeat this shit was everybody staying home and jacking off. Letting kids have to, like, if you want to, if you want to teach them, if you want to have like a, a short remote learning day, do it. Let them be kids for a fucking year. Fuck. Fuck your capitalist system. Fuck having to teach them how to fucking do this, that, and the other thing so they're productive members of your stupid society. Let them have a year to be kids and play outside and shit. We could have took this summer to play outside. No! We had to make sure everybody had to go back to work. I don't... (laughs) That's the whole reason I switched merchandise stores. Was so that I could put the... uh, Like, the one I was using before didn't use... They didn't have uh, face masks. So I went over to Teespring so I could put the Fu Manchu on a face mask. Because it cracked me up. I've got some brand new designs. Go check out my my Chris Dorner uh, Appreciation Society. If you don't know who Chris Dorner is, he's the uh, LAPD cop that tried to expose corruption and got fired and then went on a killing spree of LAPD officers. <laughs> the Chris Dorner Appreciation Society shirt. Fantastic. I got a new one that says, uh, remember kids, shoot up drugs, not schools. Got some real funny shit on the freak store. Go check it out. St. Dorner indeed. There are some groups for Chris Dorner on Facebook. I need to go share that shirt in there. But I I think I designed a really cool fucking shirt for him. Anyway, back to the COVID bullshit. (laughs) All this uh, debate over masks in school yet, you know. In Tennessee, the schools with no opt-out mask policies have the lowest transmission rates. The most urgent question, this is in the Atlantic, the most urgent question uh, in the world for the past 20 months has been, what's the best way to stop the spread of the coronavirus? But it's a frustrating question to answer definitively. Since even the most logical solutions have been shrouded in what I've called the fog of pandemic. For example, covering your nose and mouth seems like a sensible way to block virus particles that come out of your mouth and go into your nose, but designing a perfect masking study is hard when state-by-state behavior differs from official masking policy and when everybody's wearing a different material over their face. Limiting indoor dining seems like it would help uh, contain a virus that spreads via indoor talking, but we don't have enough high-quality data to know for sure whether it makes a huge difference. Targeted shutdowns seem likely to prevent social mixing in the short term, but designing an experiment that proves their long-term effectiveness is devilishly difficult. And there is a lot of right-wingers preying on that, you know, uncertainty. I see the line like, unless you're wearing an N95 mask, you're not doing anything anyway. No, wrong. There is efficacy to different masks. I saw a dumb fuck right-winger, one of my friends, when I I got to go back to trolling because I'm back on Facebook. Hey, Facebook people, if you're watching us right now, back on Facebook as of tonight. 
I was doing some trolling, and I saw one of my normal right-wing friends. Normal right-wing. One of my usual right-wing friends. Not normal. He is definitely not normal. He is a dumb fuck. Unless you're wearing an N95 mask, you're just virtue signaling, he said. Wrong. That is wrong. That is wrong. They like to cite the studies that show that particles can still penetrate a mask, but like a cloth mask has like a 20 to 30% efficacy. A surgical mask has like a 70% efficacy. And and what we're talking about is being able to breathe particles in. One of the reasons why masks are so effective is because one of the ways viruses are so easily transmitted is by the droplets going out of your mouth while you talk. or Or when you sneeze or when you cough. So an infected person wearing a mask keeps their droplets to their self. And while it's not perfect, while it doesn't keep everything in, it limits. It mitigates the, uh, uh, the, the size of the area that they can spread their droplets. This just seems like fucking common sense. Why do I have to keep explaining this to dumb fucks? It's because they're being pumped full of propaganda by other dumb fucks. And I don't even know, I don't know what the reason is other than um, the people in the media that are promoting the anti-masker, anti-vaccination shit. They're not doing the bidding of the oligarchs that run this country. No, they want to get us back to work. People with the moneyed interests that run this country want people vaccinated and doing what it takes to work. The people... The people that are promoting the anti-mask, anti-vaccine fervency, they're like the YouTubers that make money off of keeping people dumb and scared. Like, we have multiple constituencies that are working together here. Absolutely, it is more important to wear the mask while you're talking. While you're socializing. Ah, shit, here comes Smokey. Hey, buddy. We were talking about you earlier. He wants to hang out in my lap, it seems. By contrast, the trials that proved the effectiveness of the COVID-19 vaccines used the gold standard of scientific research by randomly assigning people to treatments and control groups. But now we have it this week. A group of scientists from Yale, Stanford, and UC Berkeley and other institutions published the final results of a randomized study of community-wide masking behaviors in Bangladesh. The study encompassed roughly 350,000 people in 600 villages. The researchers randomly selected at certain villages for an in, uh, intervention that included giving out free masks, paying villagers to remind people to cover their faces, and having village leaders and religious figures, such as imams, emphasize the importance of masks. The researchers also paid villagers to count properly worn masks in public places, including markets and mosques. To gather data on coronavirus transmission, the team asked about symptoms and conducted blood tests to determine who came down with COVID-19 over the course of the study. Their conclusion? Masks work. Period. Surgical masks are particularly effective at preventing coronavirus transmission. Now, by the way, by the way, several right-wingers cited this study as showing that masks don't work. 
Their conclusion, masks work, period. Surgical masks are particularly effective at preventing coronavirus transmission, and community-wide mask wearing is excellent at protecting older people who are at much higher risk of severe illness from COVID-19. To some, this conclusion might sound like the work of liberal conspiracists to predominantly swaddle our faces in tyrannical cloth. To others, it might sound like very old news. After all, you might think if people were masking successfully during the 1918 flu pandemic, why do we need a 2021 study to prove the benefits of the practice? But the Bangladesh study is still perhaps the most important research done during the pandemic outside of the vaccine clinical trials because it gives us randomized trial data to bolster the flimsier assumptions and conclusions of observational research. We finally have a sense of not just whether masks work, but how much universal masking could reduce transmission. And the answer is quite a lot. I think the number I saw at the beginning of the pandemic was something like universal masking would drop transmission rates by 86-87%. And goddamn, when I said it was raining outside... I mean, it's fucking raining. I don't know if... I've got a, a, a noise gate. I don't know if you guys can hear the rain, but fuck. Coming down. Charlie Kirk. Yeah, you guys need rain out in California where half the fucking state is on fire. It's not storming. Smokey gets really upset when it's storming. When it's just rain, Smokey's probably out on the patio now. He's not in my lap anymore. Yeah, Adam, why didn't you stop the fucking rain? You didn't do your, your goddamn job. You had one job, Adam. You had one job. Charlie Kirk has threatened to fire employees who have workplace vaccine questions. And this comes out right before Labor Day, too. How dare you, Charlie Kirk? Over the weekend, youth right-wing organizer Charlie Kirk threatened to fire any employee of his organization, Turning Points USA, who asked about COVID-19 safety precautions in the workplace. According to labor law experts, that is clearly illegal. After speaking with an expert in the field of United States labor law, one thing has become increasingly clear. Kirk's most recent attempt to be a right-wing provocateur might come back to present a series of legal challenges for the frequent Fox News guest. At a gathering on Sunday evening at the Godspeak Calvary Chapel in Newsbury Park, California, Kirk responded to an audience question about COVID vaccinations by saying that if one of his employees were to ask about vaccine mandates, they would be fired. And somebody asked me the other day, so Charlie, are you going to require the vaccine at Turning Point USA? He's like a reporter. I said, look, you don't work for me, but if you did, you'd be fired for asking such a ridiculous question. I know, I did a horrible Charlie Kirk impression. Sounded nothing like him.
By the way, for those of you who don't know, Charlie Kirk had a partner. He is co-founder of Turning Points USA. He had a partner in crime, I guess you could say. Who was with us up until last year. Charlie Kirk's co-founder of TPUSA died of fucking COVID. And here Charlie is making it a political issue. Continuing to make it a political issue. Yes, there's the Chris Dorner shirt. Pick up the Chris Dorner shirt. Everybody should love that shirt. Now, I broke the news on Thursday on the show. Joe Rogan has the COVID. Like, either you're going to be vaccinated and not get it, or you might get it with Delta. And, you know, there's or no Or you can be unvaccinated and not get it, too. That's that. That's not going to be the case for like unless you're you're a hermit and never you know it's eventually going to. I've been exposed to it many times. The whole. Well, I've got some anecdotal evidence for you right here. I've been exposed to it many times and I haven't caught it. I haven't gotten it. So I got back from the road Saturday night. One week later. One week late. He said in the video he took ivermectin. Got up in the morning, got tested, and turns out I got COVID. One week later. How long until we hear about Charlie Kirk having the COVID? This is from the Blaze. This is their big boogeyman that we're going to hear about so much going into the 2022 election. Critical race theory. I don't know who the fuck this dude is on Blaze TV. He is a fucking blockhead. There's revolution, then guarding against counter-revolution. So-called academic freedom is a nonsense dynamic. The idea that the teacher has the freedom to impose whatever the teacher believes is not met with the freedom of the student not to attend class. Aha! Since schooling is mandatory, right? This has been flipped, and now the Department of Education and the teachers' unions control almost all government-run education. Since students cannot assess their own freedoms for the most part, decisions are made by parents. But parents do to... Huh? It's a weird argument to take. The the freedom of the kid. You know this is a dude that is against, like, consent laws and shit. That's the kind of libertarian we're, we're dealing with here. The tax burden of education and lack of school choice are powerless. So let's run an experiment here, shall we? If there were two schools, one on the east side of the street and the other on the west side of the street, cost not a factor. If the school on the east side of the street was filling up its lessons plans with Marxism in all of its forms and not as a cautionary tale, classes on how to organize a protest complete with real-world application, phys ed where gender and sports is nothing but a self-identification, 
teaching the 24 different pride flags and what each of them mean, and there will be a test on this. You know, there's 24 of these flags. Also, the six different recycling bins. Well, thank you, Dougie, dude. Now the school on... He's just coming straight out like, I'm going to attack inclusiveness and recycling. What the, what the fuck? The west side of the street held classes on supply-side economics, free market. I want to know what he thinks Marxism is. Finance and markets operate. Classes that teach civics based on the Constitution and history. Yes, including all the negatives are past. Science as an applied study. Not a pre. No, 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 no. When you're talking about the negatives of our past, as we're getting ready to see, you are talking about anything dealing with racism. You don't want that taught to children. Because when that is taught to children, when the negatives of our past is taught to children, you call it teaching them to hate America. Socialism. Yeah, like, what the fuck? Supply side economics. Are we still. Are we still promoting that as a rational fucking economic theory? I thought we proved it fucking sucked. And wait, trades. Yes, trades. Science, philosophy, trades, gym, all that good stuff. You know, sports where the boys are over well, here. The problem, the problem is, is there, there is money in doing this. These baby boomer conservative assholes want to preserve their leave it to beaver idea of America so bad that there is this whole cottage industry that has popped up willing to feed them the propaganda that will let them stay in their little bubble. That'll tell them that supply side economics works. It was a good thing for them and that you shouldn't organize protests and you should be against unions. I mean, you can tell where the messaging comes from. It comes from a moneyed interest. Just by looking at the things he's against. He's against collective action. He's against fucking things like recycling. Now, fucking recycling is absurd for for a multitude of reasons, but that has nothing to do with, like, us as individuals actually doing recycling. There are faults with recycling. One being that fucking... It's only a handful of fucking companies creating most of the fucking waste in this in this country. The problem with recycling is we don't go to companies and force them to make reusable packaging. They find it a lot easier to use fucking plastic bottles and shit. I know RB, you got into to it with me with the baby boomers. And like, man, like, I agree the baby boomers were sold a bill of goods, but they bought it. You got to own up to that shit. They bought the bill of goods. There were people who told the baby boomers, like, Jimmy Carter came into the White House, put solar panels on the, on, on the roof, told us that we couldn't live on credit that, that the household credit was exploding in the U.S. and that we needed to tighten our purse strings. But the baby boomers didn't want to hear it. They said, no, we want to vote for the dumb fuck actor who has promised us fucking everything and we want to do cocaine and let the markets go crazy. Like, there's culpability from that generation. And, and they're the last generation to experience this, this comfortable affluence. 
where they have just in, they got their 40 50 grand trucks their houses in the suburb they fucking they got theirs they ruined the fucking country and they didn't leave anything for the generation that was coming up I've, I've, I've told the story. My mom's a baby boomer. During the 90s, during the early 2000s, I couldn't get through to her that she needed to go vote. That it mattered. Because, like, yes, the, the baby boomers were sold a bill of goods that we were in a post-political world. That we were in a post-fucking-war world. That this, that, this, that this time of prosperity was going to last forever. They didn't take responsibility. And and because, because the baby boomers, like my fucking parents, checked the fuck out. They enjoyed their house in the suburb. Literally, I grew up in a shack near my grandparents in eastern Kentucky for like the first seven years of my life. Then we moved to a house in the suburbs, Super nice that they built during the 90s boom. <clears throat> I just, I tried to explain it to my mom how she needed to get engaged with politics, but the baby boomers didn't care. Let the good times roll. And just the most evil fucking people took control of our politics, and now we can't get rid of them. Fucking, we're stuck with Nancy Pelosi and Dianne Feinstein. And and like and it's still the baby boomers. It's still the fucking baby boomers. We would have Bernie Sanders as our president right now if the baby boomers didn't make us, my generation, compromise. Bernie would be the president at this moment. The baby boomers were like, no, 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 we still got to have it our way. We got to have a guy that appeases us. You got, you got to fucking split the difference. We're going to have Joe fucking Biden. I, the teaching profession, the nursing profession, they're all going to see shortages. I mean, right now... And, and like, yeah, the the Gen Xers, like, they got the shaft too, but not near as bad as the Millennials did. Why is it the Millennials that are are, are the ones that are having to pick up the, like, we have so much weight on our shoulders to pick this up and, and, and try to fix what's going on, and we still have fucking stupid-ass baby boomers standing in our way. I, that's they're like paying like twenty five hundred dollars a week. I told you that, didn't I? Like it's it's insane. Like the money they're throwing out for travel nurses. But I understand. I wouldn't want to put up with that bullshit. And I mean, you're dealing with people that are coming in that are getting sick that didn't even think it was a real sickness. Oh. Chucky Schumer has been better since the emergence of a more robust left wing in New York. Chucky Schumer in the last couple of years has been a much different Chucky Schumer than he was 10 years ago. 
Yeah, that's a, that's another problem with older people just taking up all these jobs that should belong to us now because they're just you know let me work on my retirement a little more and put like I got this seventy grand, eighty grand a year job here. The millennials that have degrees are, are working for ten dollars an hour out here on the floor, but like let me work my managerial job where I get to sit here and jack myself off. I did like the Gen Xers have culpability in this as well. It's like that's my brother's generation. My brother's like fucking fifty now, right? Almost. I'm almost forty, my brother's almost fifty. That that trips me the fuck out. <laughs> I'm the first of the millennials. He's like smack dab in the middle of the Gen Xers. I, the Gen Xers could still go to college for a reasonable price. If my brother had wanted to go to college, like it would have been readily available to him and he wouldn't have been saddled with, you know, he might've had, you know, five grand. Of student loan debt, whereas you know, twenty years later, I go to school and it's fucking fifty grand of student loan debt, and that's 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 an underestimate, by the way. I've really got off on a on a fucking ramble here, haven't I? Let's finish this shit up because <laughs> I haven't eaten in, I haven't eaten today at all. Like I fell asleep last night at like 11 o'clock and woke up at like 3 o'clock on the couch. I hate it when I do that shit because then I'm up until 7 in the morning. Yes, yes, the idea of retirement. The idea of retirement is just foreign to my generation and like, we don't have jobs that would provide retirement. We're all going to be in the gig economy in five to ten years. We're not even going to have many traditional jobs left. Seriously, this dude is entitled as fuck. Not if you collect... I don't... Not if I collect... Who's collecting what? I don't know what's going on. I missed. Who's collecting babies? Don't collect babies. That seems that seems illegal. That's how those black market orphanage get started. I didn't go to college with the idea of making money. That's the that's the one thing. So. My first advice, this is the second time I went to college. I went to college when I was like 18. That didn't work out well. Like, most 18, 19 year olds are not ready for college at that time. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, when I went back to college in 20, 2010, wow, much of like I was sitting at the front of the class, I was talking about it like I was very engaged. I, I actually gave a shit. 
Oh, okay. I was I was really confused, Dib. Oh, I oh Tones, you graduated right as the crash. See, I went back during the crash. I was like, well, this is a good time to go back to school. Maybe by the time I get out, things will be turned around. <laughs> <laughs> But I didn't. I didn't go to college with the idea of like, oh, I'm going to get out and make sixty five grand. What they give me my first um, advisor when I went back the second time. I sit down with my advisor, and she was from the marketing department. Like she was in the broadcasting department. But it was like marketing, and she sits down with me. And she was like, "So, how much money do you want to make?" And I'm like, "Money? What? If I wanted to make money, I would have been a lawyer. I wouldn't. What?" Seriously, if I wanted to be, if I wanted to make money, I would have been a lawyer in my life. I would have never done this fucking shit. I do this shit because I fucking love it. I don't do bad for myself now, twenty years later, with two degrees and a fucking fancy portfolio that shows I can do like three D motion graphics and shit. But still. I ain't never gonna be able to pay all my fucking student loans. Fuck that shit. I, you know, I go back to the. Our parents always told us you'll get more conservative as you get older, and it's just like that only happens when you're when you're in a period of peace and prosperity. That only happens when you're in a period because you want to conserve the peace and prosperity. My generation has grown up knowing nothing. But like you know, my my fucking senior year, nine eleven happened. We see a we see a market dip because of nine eleven. We see this weird war on terror shit. We see the market crash of the of the late aughts. Now we're living through a pandemic. Like it's been nothing but like PTSD on my generation. I. I knew that I didn't have an expectation with my college degree, if I can if I can put it that way. I knew that I would have far more opportunities having a college degree. Because I watched people get opportunities that I had to beg for just by having a college degree, and I didn't think that was right. Working working in radio, you know, in two thousand five, two thousand six they were giving people better opportunities and more pay over me who had been there for years and, and earned his stripes just because they had a college degree. And I'm like, huh, well, if I go get that degree and I've got this experience, I, you know, I should be able, and, I, and it did, it opened a lot more doors for me. I never really had an expectation and still the fucking fuck. Some weeks I starve, and some weeks I fucking eat lobster. That's not true. I don't starve most weeks. I've had, I've still had some rough weeks. Never as rough as like you know, I ate, I ate a bowl of rice a couple of nights in college. Just had a baked potato a couple of nights in college. That that was rough. I've never, I've never been that rough.
And I mean, like, it's not like money has, has just poured at me because of a college degree. But I never went in with that expectation because, like, I went in because I wanted to learn. And, like, also with my with my field, it's all about connections and it's all about having access to equipment. I'm a poor boy from eastern Kentucky. I didn't have access to fucking cameras, high-quality studio equipment, microphones, shit like that. I didn't have that in my, in my fucking living room that was getting access to that shit to be able to learn on it I'm not sure anybody makes enough money to worry like nobody that be watching my show makes enough money to not worry about money like fuck it I worry about money fuck People on fixed income have to worry about money. And the hoops the government makes you jump through. The only people who don't have to worry about money are assholes like this who are on Blaze TV getting paid fucking large sums of money for bullshit. Like, think about that. This guy is going to make way more this year than I'm going to make. Who is the more talented broadcaster? We're over there. Now, which do you think 90 to 95% of parents would choose? You know the answer. So here- Well, you straw man the first, like, I know we went off on a rant there. I've been talking a lot since I paused it. But he was like, uh, school A on this side of the street is teaching Marxism, blah, 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 blah. No, motherfucker. There ain't no fucking school teaching Marxism. Marxism is what you call any kind of like actual inclusiveness. The school over here teaching critical race theory is just teaching about actual racism. Like how we how we read about um, earlier, we did the story about the Battle of Blair Mountain. And the historian was like, this is where it should be in the textbooks. But it was never taught to a whole generation. They don't know about their ancestors' struggles. That, that, is, that is literally what that dude right here is describing as Marxism. The collective action of the miners at Blair Mountain. That's Marxism to this asshole. Here's the argument. Thank you to all the radicals on the left pushing CRT. All it's doing is forcing otherwise tepid parents. Nobody on the left is forcing CRT. The only people talking about CRT are dumb fucks like you who have racist followers. And you get them ginned up on bullshit and then they go to school boards and then you use that as as evidence that you're correct. It's called circular reasoning. To look at school choice as a political option. Critical race theory. Okay, apparently Caitlin Bennett didn't actually shit herself that it was just like some troll on Twitter made fun of her and it took off. But it's still fun to say Caitlin Bennett shit herself. Just Marxism in a cheap suit. These educators are not educators. Not a nice suit like me who works for the Blaze. No child of any race or socio... Like, how dare this asshole motherfucker get up here and impugn the integrity of our schools and our teachers? You're a propagandist. 
can benefit from this hard left radical form of education. Okay, well, maybe one or two kids if they're chosen by the elite. But it does not serve the purpose of the individual who will have to live a life in the real world. And the elite, that fucking word. I I had a right-winger I was in a debate with, the Matt Spear, the Don't Unfriend Me guy, called me an elitist. And what does that mean? How am I, from the poorest regions of fucking Appalachia, the grandson of a UMW miner, how am I an elitist? I guess because I have a degree in something. I have an education. I'm talking down to him about shit he don't know about. I'm telling him he's an idiot and doesn't know what he's talking about, so therefore I'm an elitist. Because in right-wing fucking la-la land, you can't correct people. Like, they're entitled to their opinions. Durability? For the majority, comes in the form of a system that prepares all kids to use the best of their faculties to earn a living. I and I'm I'll, I'll try not to pause this again because this stupid motherfucker. I was gonna go short tonight because I wanted to watch wrestling, and here I am just still yelling about this motherfucker. Are you saying she did actually poop herself? Because I, I just I just read something the other day that it was like you know this troll on the on on Twitter made it up. I'm I'm go- me as an impartial journalist up here on the Troll Patrol. My reputation on the line, impartial journalist, my ass. Well, I'd like to be factually accurate. I am ruling it and inconclusive. We do not know whether it is true or false. That is my Snopes ruling on this. You guys take it for what you will. Dip says it's true. The the Oxford Dictionary definition of idealism is the practice of forming or pursuing ideals, especially unrealistically. This is the real world. All the idealistic dreams of the doughy-eyed Deweyites cannot change that. The world does not turn Listen to what he's saying. Do not take collective actions. We hate union. We hate unions. We we took aim at the teachers' unions early on. Don't try to change the world around you. Just go to work and suffer. Slave away. Don't be idealistic. Or advance because of faux intellectual layabouts. Of, of course, intellectual pursuits are wonderful. Faux intellectual layabouts. This propagandist on Blaze TV is talking about faux intellectual layabouts. That's how he's describing teachers. As you get paid to shovel bullshit at people, I wish you could feel shame. There must also be balance, and parents must be free to choose what is best for their kids. Competition will make education better for all kids. Just like defund the police, this whole attempt to force hard left-wing indoctrination in the form of critical race theory is backfiring big time. And it's not just middle-aged, middle-class, evil, awful suburban Republicans rejecting this. It's Yeah, you just paint with broad brushes these, these ideals, and they just they fill in the gaps with what they want to hear. You're right, Tones. It's a rhetorical trick on the right. Everyone. Now that's unity.
That's diversity. That's America. I'll end here with a quote by John Dewey. I said he wasn't a monster that we should all agree with. Quote, men have long had some intimate... Well, their evidence that it's backfiring is the people that are going to the school boards and shit all upset because they told them to. This quote from John Dewey. Quote, men have long had some intimation of the extent to which education may be consciously used to eliminate obvious social evils through starting the young on paths which shall not produce these ills. And some idea of the extent in which education may be made an instrument of realizing the better hopes of men. Absolute fucking moron. But hey, you can't defend the Constitution if you think the Constitution is racist. This is according to Representative Jim Banks. Critical race theory and anti-American ideology from being pushed in the United States military and taught in educational institutions under the Department of Defense. I urge my colleagues to support it because... Jesus Christ, I think this is the... We played a clip of this on Thursday. And that, like... To this guy's right is Matt Gates. That's where we played this clip from, from this hearing. And Matt Gates also went off on CRT in the military. Hook, 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 hook. It is not sustainable to push this anti-Americanism on our troops. The men and women who wear the uniform, who take an, uh, who take an oath. I want one of them to explain to me what it is. What about teaching history is anti-American? If, if by perchance you read a fucking history book and you become ashamed of this country and don't want to wrap yourself in the flag, I say good for you. You're probably a logically thinking person. But it really seems like they just want people to buy into this ideal of America. The the shining hi- city on the hill, the whole fucking manifest destiny, the same old nonsense. To protect and defend our Constitution and our country, knowing that they could pay the ultimate sacrifice in doing so. How do we expect the next generation of leaders to get up and raise their right hand like I did and many of you did, when we're teaching them that America is inherently racist and evil. We all know, every single one of us in this room know, that this is the greatest... I don't know what he means. He's getting ready to say it's the greatest country on earth, and everybody knows the refrain to that. What are we the greatest at other than locking people up? What, sir? Medical debt. Medical debt and locking people up. We're also like the fattest fucking country. We have the, the, the biggest disparity in wealth distribution. Is that what we're great at, sir? Does that make us great? I forgot the point I was going to make now. Just because he was going off on the fucking, we're the greatest country. We're teaching them that America is inherently racist and evil. No one is teaching anybody that America is inherently racist and evil. No one is teaching them that. If you come to that conclusion after reading history, I can't help you. I've read a history book 
I've read many stories about history of this country. I don't think we're inherently racist. I think that's a straw man argument. I think a lot of things about the country is racist. Maybe if you want to say inherent, what what's the exact definition of the word inherently, first of all? Let me be precise on this. In a permanent, essential, or characteristic way. Hmm. Hmm. Maybe inherently does apply to the U.S. because it was essential to the founding of this country. It's not permanent, but has seen a permanence. And it is most certainly a characteristic of the founding of this country. Hmm. Hmm. Especially when we're talking about the Constitution, the Constitution which enshrines the three-fifths compromise. I mean, the Constitution itself is does seem to be... In, I was going to give him the benefit of it out and say, well, we're not inherently racist. Well, let me go get a precising definition of exactly what inherently means. So, you know, before looking it up, I would have said, like, you know, embedded in. And like, no, racism doesn't have to be embedded in us. But a characteristic of, it is kind of a characteristic of it. Now I'm getting really pedantic about it. I It has a welfare benefit for slavery. It's exactly right. I... It is essential. It doesn't have to be essential to our country. It doesn't have to be inherent to our country. But it is inherent to the founding of our country and inherent to the Constitution. So sorry, Jim Banks, you were wrong now that I've looked up the word inherently. We all know, every single one of us in this room know, that this is the greatest country in the history of the world. You're an idiot, and only a fucking blind nationalist propagandist would ever say anything like that. we perfect? No. Is our history perfect? Of course not. But there's nothing that comes close to what we have in America, and it is... Like what? Like what, sir? Like what? Medical debt? People in prison? I went over it already. Like, what What are we the greatest at? We rank in, the like, the Freedom Index? Well, like, I thought we were in the teens. We're in the 20s somewhere. Like, I overestimated where we ranked in the Freedom Index. Fucking, we ranked, like, like 31st for medical outcomes? What are we the greatest at, Mr. Banks? Huh? not sustainable to tell our troops anything otherwise. In fact, it's dangerous. We've seen some startling examples already, and I fear if we don't do something today, we're going to see many more. We already know that at West Point, they required cadets to read critical race theory and introduction. Admiral Gilday... Now, I could totally see that being a thing in a West Point legal classroom. And I see no problem with that whatsoever. West Point is a college, by the way. That's a college. They sat right there and defended his decision to instruct Navy sailors, every single one of them, 
to read a ridiculous book titled Most Money Given to Saudi Princes. Goddamn right. A racist book that argues that our Constitution, quote, is a mask to hide America's racism. Think about that for a moment. I, how is it even a mask? It's right there in the fucking Constitution. It's not a mask to hide our racism. I'd say that the Declaration of Independence is the mask trying to hide our racism. Because, like, that's the flowery document that talks about the ideals of Americanism. The Constitution is the legal document and the legal framework of this country, and the racism is baked right fucking into it. Think about that as you think about the oath that our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines take to defend our Constitution. And we have the highest-ranking admiral in the Navy telling our sailors to read a book that teaches them that the Constitution is a mask to hide America's racism. Once again, I take issue with that statement, but like I take issue with the dude saying it's a mask to hide racism. I, who knows, this is a Republican. That, that quote is, is probably taken out of context. General Milley sat there and infamously defended critical race theory, explaining the Skewered Matt Gates part of the military's mission. Let's be very clear about what this amendment does. Since some of you haven't read it, I'll read to you what it specifically does. This amendment would ban our military from teaching racist ideas, not embracing them. This amendment says that in... The military, you cannot push an ideology. The military is actually one of the, like, isn't it like the first institution we desegregated? Like, aren't there all kinds of stories about people going over and fighting the war in World War II and black soldiers with white soldiers and it was no big deal and then they come back here and just saw this extreme racism? Which Hitler fucking... Copied from us? Fuck. Or teach an ideology in our academies that says that any race is superior or inferior to any other race. Or that people are responsible for the actions of other members of their race. Or that the Declaration of Independence and the U.S. Constitution are racist. They are. Or that race determines moral worth. Or nobody, nobody said. Once again, you're you're creating a bunch of straw mans, you asshole. Of their skin color. That's what this amendment does. So you either believe that it's okay to teach this and push this poisonous ideology on men and women who put on the uniform to serve and protect our country and potentially to to die and pay the ultimate sacrifice for America. You either believe it's okay to teach that to them or you don't. I believe that it's counterproductive. I believe you're an idiot pushing white nationalist propaganda to ask men Descri- d- disguised as actually caring about race issues. The United States of America, if at the same time you're teaching the con- them that the Constitution is racist, we have to do a better job at teaching them that America is worth fighting for. But, but I can show, like, I can show you in the Constitution where it says it. The document doesn't change. It's still there. We had amendments to it. But they just override the previous amendments. The, the amendments are still there. Holy shit. All right. As I said, I wanted to get out of here early tonight because I was going to watch wrestling. But, you know, fucking the news doesn't sleep. Yes. 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 
Was elected to lead, not to read. I don't know if there's... I'm gonna try to stay off the internet. I'll fucking... I'll just fuck up and I'll pull up Facebook and get some spoilers. And try to stay off the internet and not find out what happened. There's a Daniel Bryan tonight. If there's a Ruby Soho. If there's a Adam Cole, baby. But, 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 in honor of what might be Chris Jericho's final night in the wrestling business, or I guess his final night wrestling, he, he said he was... He said he would never wrestle for AEW again. I don't know what that means. He had, he had a squirrely way of saying it. But in honor of Chris Jericho's final night and possibly final match in the wrestling business, I want to play this clip of Chris Jericho on Larry King from the mid-2000s. If I had to leave my kids with somebody, I would leave them with Chris Benoit. If I had to leave my kids with somebody, I would leave them with Chris Benoit. If I had to leave my kids with somebody, I would leave them with Chris Benoit. If I had to leave my kids with somebody, I would leave them with Chris Benoit. Chris Benoit killed his wife and his kid. (laughs) Then killed himself. If I had to leave my kids with somebody, I would leave them with Chris Benoit. This was after he knew that, by the way. This was like in the days after. If I had to leave my kids with somebody, I would leave them with Chris Benoit. So good luck tonight, Chris Jericho. I'm rooting for MJF. John Michaels. No, we don't want no badass Billy Gunn. We want this puppy who found the cat's hiding place on the couch. Oh, tomorrow night. You know what I'm going to do? If I stream tomorrow night, I'm either going to take the night off or if I can come up with something that's like... I'll look and see if I can find something that's public domain. An old movie I can play about labor rights or something. Something I don't actually have to... If I if I don't have to work and I can find something good to play for Labor Day. There she is. <laughs> the cat popped out. You hiding. There she is. I love it when cats and puppies get along together. Oh, they look like they're friends. I love it. So yeah, I might stream tomorrow. I might not. I don't know. If I can come up with something labor related, but I also don't have to work. We'll stream. How does that sound? I ain't working tomorrow. It's Labor Day. I encourage all of you not to work. We definitely need to take back Labor Day. Delilah. There she is. Delilah. Sweet baby. Watch Kitty pop out again. You Boom. If you're watching on Twitch, I'm going to send you over to Echoplex Media. It is time for the Plex. Go ahead, light one up, tip one back. It's all right to have a little fun before you hit the sack. I'm Justin Freakin'. We might see you tomorrow night on the Troll Patrol, live.